My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shade. Again, with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, just tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? The energies of this new aeon focus themselves, tuning in as it tunes us in, shifting our astral focal point, expressing these archetypes through people who are often received with anger and dismay from the Empire. Whomever is filling this righteous role, Patrice Lumumba, Marcus Garvey, Martin Luther King, Leonard Peltier, Mia Abu Jamal, and sadly many others have faced this wrath of unjust rule. The old world empire paradigm expresses itself in modern form. So join me, Mystic Mark, and today's guest as we shift our focus, open our hearts and minds to love, light, and liberty, prevailing over all, and here to spread these audio waves of infinite esoteric mystery to incite the curious minds of tomorrow here in this Neo Radio Podcast Logos time capsule transmission with my brother from our earthly mother, Little Raven. Big Heart plays the drum beat by which the Barbarian Noetics podcast marches with us here into the infinite strolling along our lives' paths and holding ceremony at these sonic crossroads for today's phonic preparation of some soul tonic for your immediate elevation. Enjoy the flight. Shanghai only comes from one location and it's outside St. Petersburg in Russia, a little bit north and a little bit east of St. Petersburg, right on the Russian-Finnish border. It's There's this little town called Shunga, a tiny little town, and it's it's around that town of Shunga that the Shungite is found. And folks, there's a little bit of controversy about like the origins of Shungite. What, what we do know is that it's insanely old, like 1.5 billion years old when you hold a piece of shungite you're holding a piece of matter that has been in its state for 1.5 billion years i mean it's mind-blowing and so powerful and so there's one one school of thought thinks that it was formed just through the natural pressure pressurization of the earth and then through like i'm not i'm not like a geologist but through time it ended up being displayed on on the surface of the membrane of the planet another theory believes that possibly it actually came on a meteor that so possibly came from extraterrestrial and entered the earth's atmosphere on a a meteor and then exploded out by this little town of shinga so 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 oh yeah so the synchronicity there is that my ancestors 
ancestors come from the Russian Finnish border. So I was like, that's so interesting that this amazing mineral that I feel so resonant with comes from the same place as I, I actually know my ancestors came from there, you know. I resonate with what you're doing, man. And I have listened to a couple of your episodes and yeah, I really like it. I like what you're doing. And when I, I've been telling folks like, yeah, I'm going to be going on my family thinks I'm crazy podcast and everybody loves, they're like, that's the best name for a podcast. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, think a lot man. of people, a lot of people really resonate with that, man, including myself. So <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I've, I've always been shocked at how many times it makes people laugh because I, I knew it was funny and I, it was funny when it struck me. Cause it really, if you heard me tell the story, it was really just like spur of the moment. I'm like, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, and then I'm like, Oh, that's the name of my new podcast, you know, kind of yeah. all clicked, but like, I'll tell that to people who don't even listen to podcasts, probably aren't conspiracy theorists and they hear it and they love it. So it resonates with, with all comers. Yeah. And it kind of makes us feel like we're not, we're not alone. You know what I mean? The black sheep come together right. and commiserate. And, right. and I also, I really like, I like how practical too that the aspect of, of your podcast is where it's like, you're actually trying to think creatively about ways in which we can express our ideas to our loved ones. You know what I mean? Because mm. that is like a very challenging thing and way before 2020, but it's accelerated since 2020, I have felt from time to time quite isolated. And that's one of the reasons why I get so much solace from doing the podcast because I, you know, can connect with people who are at least open-minded, if not like-minded. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally here for a discussion. I try to keep an open mind all the time. I try not to be dogmatic either, but sometimes it feels like you, it's like you try to talk about certain things and people get so touchy right off the bat. And so I do think it's important to start thinking creatively about like, cause we do want to try to, the, the Barbarian Noetics podcast is dedicated to the elevation of the human spirit. And like, I really take that seriously. And so to elevate the human spirit, we have to be able to talk to one another and we have to be able to see, walk a mile in each other's shoes, see things from the other person's perspective and, you know, really like make an effort to connect instead of just what I see, unfortunately, happening uh, more and more with the sort of like the, the lame stream, the, the normie world is people are digging their heels in to their mindset and their ideas rather than trying to like extend an olive branch to people who maybe are quote on the other side, which I think is a complete illusion to begin with. But, but yeah, so, and that, that to me is quite troublesome because when you have you, you have both sides digging their heels in, yelling at one another. You're just going to, you're not going to be accomplishing anything. And then both sides are just going to be trenching in even further. So. Amen. Yeah. Well said. I, you know, when it comes to the family personally, I've always way before COVID, I've always come against this wall, come up against this wall, whatever topic it was, health, government, geography even you know native american <laughs> relations like for sure That's any Italians. any topic you know i would you know be at a party family gathering be bored because i'm like you know i'm the black sheep don't really have 
many like friends my age, family members my age, you know, in the in the family group. So I'd be like kind of isolated, but really extroverted. Like when I'm around my friends and my people, I like to be extroverted, you know, and yeah. my family really made me feel a little isolated because I'd want to talk to people about this kind of stuff that I was learning when I was younger. But as soon as I would open my mouth, people would be like, whoa, 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 hit the brakes, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and it was, yeah, it was so, it was so like eye opening to be like, wait, it's not that I'm making a bad point. I'm actually making a great point. And you even admitted I'm making a great point, but you're still not willing to even go into the realm of maybe changing something about the way you operate your life, even though you agree with the logic I just argued, you know, it's like that cognitive dissonance bothered me from a real young age. And it made me really motivated to become better at speaking and better at making a point to the point where I completely annoyed my mother who, you know, <laughs> hates arguing with me and, and, you know, tells me I should have become a lawyer or whatever. But yeah, there's a certain like style that I want to bring to this show. And I really appreciate you pointing that out and, and actually reminding me of this myself because it's, you know, there's so much stuff, you know, how it is interviewing guests, putting together monologue shows that you do, you put a lot of research into your shows it takes a lot out of your time, takes a lot out of your life, and it takes a lot out of your mental capacity. So it's not always easy to stay focused, stay on track. And that is something that is like the ethos of this podcast, which is to help people be able to relate to their family, these kind of ideas in a way where they feel sovereign, confident, and as, you know, a free expressed free will individual because the thing about family is you can't just go and find a new family like you can go maybe you can go and find new friends maybe you could replace right. your family and you know get like a a new wife or something or whatever depending on what role you play in the family but yeah, you know you for the to the metaverse and get all kinds of stuff man oh I mean, man <laughs> <laughs> yeah talk to me in 10 years we'll see where that's at then but yeah i you know i think ultimately like family is family what do they say you can't pick you could pick your friends but you can't pick your family right so we have to at least be able to find common ground and the most important thing that i've come to conclude and it's only one of few conclusions that i've made on the podcast thus far because everything is so open-ended at this point we're so new into the game here but the one conclusion that i'm pretty set on i don't think i'll ever have a guest maybe like turn this on its head is that i am not here to be anybody's guide i am not going to give knowledge to those who aren't seeking it and as a podcast host yourself you know what this is like because nobody listens to our podcast because we force them to, <laughs> you know, they listen right. to it because they want to, because they like it, because they like what we're doing and they come and they catch up each episode. So I think there's something about what we're doing here that lends itself to the way maybe the mystery schools initially operated, right? Where it was like, you know, you would go and you would join and then they would kind of test your metal a little bit, see what you were about, see what your intentions were. They'd make you hang around for a year before they taught you anything important. And I think that kind of 
in a way is happening in this podcast with us, this conversation on a microcosm and then on a macrocosm, like the right people are tuning in to shows like yours, shows like mine, and little by little, day by day, they're accumulating the keys, the tools, the skills that they need to elevate their awareness. And as you put it on your show, your show is dedicated to what? The elevation of the human spirit. Boom. So here we are, swap casting. We got the Barbarian Noetics podcast, and we got the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And dude, I don't know how much of what we just talked about will make it in, but we're rolling now. I feel like I'm on a roll. And for my audience who might not be familiar with you, would you mind telling us a little bit how your story begins? Maybe go even to when you kind of got into this weird, wild world before the podcast started? Like what inspired your interests in the range of subjects that you discuss on your show? Yeah, thanks a lot for the question, man. I really appreciate it. I just want to add to when you were talking about the kind of correlation resonance with the traditional, the ancient mystery schools, I got a Kundalini blast of energy, which I always pay attention to that. It's like a tingle that comes up my spine when important information is being related, when I'm connecting in an important way. So I just wanted to share that because I, I really Please, think you're onto you. something and also like so therapeutic to talk to you right now about this because it's just like, this is exactly what I have been trying to accomplish like connections like this, elevating the human spirit and finding the right people who are open to the right information. And then I feel like it's like it is predictable and quantum and miraculous how those connections then go off into time and space, like ripples kind of in a pond, you know, like you throw a little stone in, you, you drop a podcast, for example, that's like a little stone that ripples out infinitely is pretty mind-blowing because even when the ripple reaches the end of the pond it's still going and then it interferes with other ripples and anyways that is so powerful man so i just wanted to throw that in really quick and so i appreciate you asking the question so yeah my journey i have always for as long as i can remember i've always been interested in the mystery what i would consider the great mystery and um, that to me has always been like what i find most captivating and most kind of fascinating about existence in general. I've always, again, as far as back as I can remember, I've always wondered the big questions. Why am I here? What is happening? <laughs> what, what, is, what is going on here? You know what I mean? Because a lot of it has never really made sense to me. And I always joke with friends and stuff that I feel like I was kind of, and I say this tongue in cheek because I believe that everything happens for a reason. And I believe that our souls incarnate, this is my personal belief, that our souls incarnate intentionally into each incarnation. However, I feel like this is not my wheelhouse in terms of the modern world with the technology and the Twitter and all that kind of garbage. Like my wheelhouse is fire, cave, hunting woolly mammoths with my tribe, with my people. And we all have to get along because you can't take down a woolly mammoth in, unless you're getting along. And if you don't get along, it's like that becomes something to work through. That's where like restorative justice and stuff like that comes in. I really, I, I really believe that we can tap into these, our kind of genetic knowledge of our past lives. We are ancient beings and you know, this, since the beginning of the industrial revolution, what has it been about like maybe 180 years or something like that is such a small little blip of time. And so our genetic code, our beings are 
you know, we're, we're amazing creatures. We're very adaptable. I think if there's one thing about the human being that is most kind of salient, it's our adaptability and our ability to thrive in all circumstances. So, you know, we're all adapting as fast as we can, but we have to like have compassion for the fact that our genetic structure, our biological evolution has developed for a radically different world than the world that has kind of come to fruition again since the dawn of the industrial revolution. And then I do feel like time is speeding up. And so the the rate of technological advancement and stuff like that seems to be accelerating also. But to get back to my own journey, I started the podcast mostly because I I realized that and so I'll just be honest and share with with your audience today. I've always, and I'm open about this on the podcast too, I've always had issues with my mental health and every day is kind of like its own journey with mental health and, you know, dealing with some depression, anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of correlates with this sense that I spoke about earlier of feeling like kind of out of place, like feeling very confused and baffled by the world. And, and that if you're not careful, that can very easily kind of descend into some pretty dark places. And so I've had, you know, and I continue to have my own journey with mental health. So I'm constantly trying to sort of refine my techniques for keeping my mental health at a good level, keeping myself in a good emotional place, a good spiritual place. And what I discovered is that an absolutely essential component of that for me is creating, creating art and connecting with other people in a creative manner. And so really I started the podcast and like my first, if you go way back, way, way, way back, I mean, the the audio quality and stuff like that on my very first episodes. I mean, I was recording on this like old cheap tablet, like during my, my day job, just like basically mm. just venting and stuff like that. But I, I keep those episodes because I think, yeah. you know, if you can struggle through the audio quality, there is a lot of like substance there as I'm kind of like stumbling my way into this journey of the podcast. But mostly it was uh, really a method to keep myself healthy, keep myself well, and keep myself focused on like my soul's desire, my soul's deep, deep goal in this incarnation, which is to do my part. I want to, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to look back and, and think to myself, I did the best I could, you know, and that's really all we can do is the best we can. And at different points of our life, that's going to look differently, you know, like depending on where you're at emotionally and stuff like that, your best is going to be one thing. It's going to be another thing at another time when maybe like you're cooking with gas and everything's flowing, but that's all we can do is to do our best. And so I'm just trying to do my best man to elevate the human spirit and to connect with people, to talk about topics that are like the forbidden topics, you know, that that's really interesting to me. I'm definitely the type of person that if like you tell me I'm not supposed to look at something, that's the first thing I'm going to look into. And, and yeah, so, and then it's, it's really like developed of its own accord as I've been doing it since the, the chaos in 2020 and stuff like that, I've sort of made it more regular before that it was, I would do a podcast, you know, every few weeks or whatever, because obviously I'm a working class person. I'm trying to make a living. I got mother job and stuff like that. But since 2020, I've really made an effort to do every single week. So every single Tuesday morning is when I drop my podcast for the week. And it's amazing how, and I, I think you can maybe relate to this as well, how the project kind of like 
it's sort of like free association writing in a certain kind of way. And that sometimes you don't know exactly like the shape and the form it's going to take, but as you do it, and as you continue to move forward and be consistent, it does the kind of like the form becomes more apparent. It reminds me of kind of like sculpting a, a rock when you have the bare rock and you can kind of like, you start to kind of like chip away and then you start to see like, Oh, this is actually starting to make like this beautiful form and stuff. And so that's been really beautiful and rewarding as I continue with the podcast. So yeah, man, bit of a meandering. No, no, not at all. I'm following you. And I think the listeners are too. And I do want them to know we're listening to the barbarian, the barbarian noetics podcast and the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast right now. This is a swap cast. And to your point, your show has been around for a while, three years, it seems. Maybe there were earlier episodes, but one of your first episodes is about, it's the second episode, and it's about your scooter getting jacked, which <laughs> I resonate with very deeply. I had a scooter, never got stolen, came close a couple times, but that thing was like, oh man, I don't know how old you are. We seem, I'm going to make a guess that you're around my age. But at that point in my life, I didn't have a car. I had my license, but I didn't have my car yet. So <laughs> the scooter was like, oh, such freedom. And actually ended up, weirdly enough, spray painting a, a sigil that I found in Israel Regardi's Tree of Life on this scooter. And I think that might have played into the reason why it, it never got stolen. What the Ultimately, it, it got destroyed in Hurricane Sandy. The, the water flooded and went into the carburetor but yeah um probably too late for that i don't know if you ever got your scooter back but i'm sorry to hear that brother but yeah it, it is interesting another thing i thought was was worth bringing up maybe more interesting than the last is barbarian noetics barbarian noetics now i don't know how much of an etymologist you are but i love to go in and look at like the history of words right and maybe you've done this i hope you've done this considering it's the name of your show but i have a couple different names here or names definitions of barbarian and some of them are really cool some of them are make a lot of sense considering what your show's about it says in classical history it refers to a non-Roman or non-Greek person. But you can also take the word barbarian and it could mean pagan. It could also mean strange. It could also mean foreign. There are less <laughs> complementary definitions as well, but that's because it was used as a pejorative, which mm -hmm. to the, you know, the point of, of like my sort of foray into podcasting with tinfoil hat being like the sort of mothership that plucked me out of my you know little suburban working class going on you know sam tripoli famously says like hey i named the show tinfoil hat to take it back you know because it is a pejorative you know, people say oh you're wearing a tinfoil hat you know and i think what's cool about your show is you're you're blending two words noetics which is like such a it's a very advanced word i doubt many people know what it means unless they're in this sort of space it has to do with the, the mental sphere, the, the mind, right? The science of mind even. And yeah. then barbarian, which those two words, it's like word random word association, as you were saying before. You put them together and it creates this really awesome, what I want to say is like primer for cool things to happen. And 
you talked about the evolution of your show and, and how it's kind of like free association. I really love how creative your show is, man. Like something I try to do with my show is, is to make it unique, you know, and I've never heard a show quite like yours. I mean, I, I didn't, wouldn't do it justice trying to describe it for people, but folks listening on your RSS feed are already familiar, but folks listening on my RSS feed, go and check it out. It's got some really creative stuff going on. What, initially inspired the robot voices because i thought that was hilarious i'm like listening to this you're describing like this like other planet i mean i've listened to a more recent episode and heard these voices but tell us about the evolution of like these segments that you have at the beginning of your podcast yeah thank you so much for these questions man this is really fun first off before i answer that i just want to also just speak briefly on the barbarian so I'm big into synchronicity, what Carl Jung calls the a-causal connecting principle. It's it, it's so interesting to me how things come together at the right time. But anyways, when I was a really little, little kid, my dad used to call me barbarian as, you know, he just, parents naturally come up with names for their kids because I was like a total lunatic. I would always be trying to climb off things, get myself into all kinds of trouble. And so he would call me barbarian. He'd always be like, yeah, but barbarian. So that kind of like put the word in my mind from a young age. And then when I was kind of brainstorming names for the podcast, I was like, hell yeah, it's got to involve barbarians because barbarians are uncivilized. You know what I mean? And, and that doesn't mean not it doesn't mean that they're not very like polite it doesn't mean that they're not very aware it just means that they refuse to participate in this really what in the in the space of like the barbarians that eventually kind of pecked away at the roman empire and really were kind of a big part in the de decline and fall of the roman empire they it was an agrarian society with taxes that was what the barbarians did not want to be a part of they didn't want to be a part of the state this big state system which is really when you peel it away it's like a protection racket it's like yeah sure you can you can farm you can exist because we're all just trying to exist here we're all just trying to be animals on this beautiful amazing planet it's like yeah you can be an animal on this beautiful amazing planet but this asshole is going to take like a share of your crops that you make and we're going to come through every once in a while and demand a tribute and uh, you know we have this massive, in the case of the Romans, this gargantuan military force, which ultimately is going to enforce this. So if you, you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to tell us to, to F off, then, you know, you might end up on that crucifix there. So it's up to you. So the barbarians were like, hell no, I don't want to be a part of that system. You know, we want to, we want to be free, more free, more nomadic, more on the hunter gatherer tip. And I just think that that's like resonates so much with me where I'm, where I feel in terms of like, how I navigate this hyper-technological world that we exist in. And one of the main impetuses for the podcast, and I was thinking for the overall, like, what am I really trying to do? One of my initial um, ideas was I wanted to talk about how we can maintain our animal selves in this hyper-technological world that we find ourselves in, where so many people have to get jobs which involve these personas and we have to pretend that we're people we're not and go to these horrific i really can't cannot stand like the office culture thing man i i'm i tried and i just can't do it the fluorescent tell me about it and, oh man oh, i remember when i was a kid torture. my mom took me to like take your kid to work day and i was shocked at how many toys were in all these adults cubicles and as i got <laughs> older i'm like oh 
Like these people are miserable. That's why they fill their cubicle up with all these toys they can't play with. Like they're literally like well, as a kid, you go into these cubicles and there's like a 40 year old dude and he's got like all these action figures. You're like, whoa, you want to play with them? And he's like, no, you can't touch them. You know, it's, yeah, it's so weird, yeah. weird culture. That movie Office Space really sums it up perfectly. But it but, did for sure. But yeah, you're um, talking yeah. about rewilding consciousness. I like it. I like it a lot. That's a good way of putting it. That's yeah. an excellent way of putting it. To, to go back to your initial question, which was the robot voices. Mm. So, so basically, I'm trying to do as much as I can with the resources that I have. And again, I'm not the most like technologically advanced individual. Like all the stuff, like even just basic editing and audacity and stuff like that, that really did not come easy to me. It, it took like a lot of time to figure out and stuff like that. But I... I was thinking like, okay, what can I do? I wanted to create like different characters and stuff like that that kind of had a storyline that would continue uh, sporadically along the, I call it the rabbit holes of space and time as we move forward through space and time. I wanted to have these different characters. I'm like, okay, what, you know, how can I manifest that? And I thought to myself, like in uh, high school, I used to have fun with, with my best friend and we would like, it was right at the beginning of the technology when you could type something into a computer and then it would recite it back in the yes, voice. Yes. And you know, we were just we were complete morons. So we were just typing all sorts of, you know, crude and you know, <laughs> grotesque stuff. And then we thought it was so funny when the robot would say it back. And so I thought about that and I was like, well if that entertained me then it maybe it'll entertain other people now. Oh and- man. Yes. I'm I'm thinking of one of my favorite comedy podcasts that I was listening to last week and they put the the proper pronunciation of Hanukkah into a computer and the way the robot said Hanukkah was just it was hilarious it's just it's just so awkward it's so funny but uh, you and you have that with your characters man it's really it reminded me of like a really well done radio like the way that they used to do radio fiction you know because you're very descriptive like the the you're painting a picture through these characters and it's it's like a like an anime like that's how i could describe it, like a sci-fi anime not that i'm an anime fan so maybe that's a bad correspondence but but i i think you know it, it's definitely it, 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 I'd fail at describing it properly. So for my listeners, maybe at the end, I can give them a little taste of that somehow. You can send me a file or something. But Yeah, I, I would love to do that. Yeah, during the holiday season, I always have uh, some sort of variation of the war on Christmas. I'm, I'm a big mm. war on Christmas guy. I like a guerrilla campaign, like very complex insurgencies against Christmas. Like I like to bring it to Christmas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I have uh, characters, General Suck and Fuck is one of my characters. And he's like a pagan general that is constantly trying to like F up Christmas. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll send you one of those for Please sure. Do. Please <laughs> do. Yeah, man. And then there, there are many different avenues we can go down and I know this because like I said, I spent some time, not enough time, but I spent some time looking through your shows and looking through your RSS feed. And I was impressed, you know, not only do you have some really interesting guests on, but you also do some deep dives, we can call it, into various subjects. And it was only about a month ago, I put a call out to the listeners of this show. I said, hey, I want to learn more about Africa. I want to get in touch with somebody about Africa. 
not the country or in country. I sound like an idiot, not the, just the continent itself. Like I understand the continent. I understand the geography. You know, I've always been a student of that sort of realm, but I want to talk to somebody who's like an expert, not asking you to be one, but, but someone who's an expert on like the conspiratorial take on Africa, the, the global socioeconomic mess that is Africa. And I noticed, you know, not too recently, I don't know how long ago this was, because there might be, you know, let's see, it looks like it's a couple months back. I'm trying to find it now. It was uh, the episode about Africom, I think, that you're referring to. Possibly. Was, I'm thinking of the one on Patrice Lumumba. Lumumba. Oh, yeah. I guess I have done a few about Africa. Yeah. Actually, so so maybe you can kind of help with this because uh, although you're not from Africa, obviously, and, and I mean, that may be <laughs> that may be difficult to arrange, uh, you know, unless I who knows, maybe there's folks listening in Africa right now to this show. Hit me up if you are. But since we're here, since we're here now and you've been looking at this topic and, and we kind of have a similar perspective, I think, at least where we approach this subject with love, with respect, and with a sense of justice, right? You know, I think you and I share that deeply. So when it comes to Africa, you, you said Africom, that I wasn't familiar with. I was specifically talking about season nine, episode 14 of your show, Patrice Lumumba, champion of Congolese independence and martyr for the pan-African cause. What first inspired you to do you know, multiple episodes on this subject? Yeah, that's another great question, man. So Patrice Lumumba is someone, his, I, I kept on hearing his name. I listened to all sorts of different podcasts, you know, a lot of socio kind of like geopolitical podcasts and stuff like that. And, and people would kind of throw out his name, Patrice Lumumba, but they wouldn't go any deeper. They would kind of kind of refer to him tangentially. And so I just became interested in who this guy is really. And that's a, a, a lot of how my episodes go is I, I try to kind of like pick a topic. And a lot of times I'll kind of go into meditation to kind of like see if I can get the topic. And anyway, it just came through real quick. Like Patrice Lumumba, you should do an episode on him, find out all about, uh, all about him. And just an amazing, amazing figure, like one of the most dynamic and powerful and impressive people. Malcolm X described, I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but Malcolm X basically said, Patrice Lumumba is the most important man to have ever walked the African continent. You know, he was maybe being a little hyperbolic there, but maybe not. Lumumba is incredible. So I don't know if you're familiar about, and if your listeners are familiar with really like it's hard to talk about, man, like some of the depths of horror that have been visited on so many places in the world and obviously Africa, so many places in Africa. And it was the Belgian King Leopold who he was the first person to kind of like claim Congo for his own self, you know, just complete hubris, just racism completely off the charts and he was like yeah i'm gonna just claim this it seems like there's a lot of resources there so i'm just gonna claim this and they instant the belgian government the belgian armed forces like instituted this reign of terror in congo which to be honest with you man i don't really want to get into the details right now because they're just so grisly but you know it's some of the so i talk about this concept called the adversary. And this is something that's been coming through in meditation a lot lately. And it's something I'm going to continue to, to work with and work through via my podcast. 
the adversary for me is it's a force of darkness. It is a force of I I define kind of darkness as unnecessary suffering. So like there there's a certain degree of suffering that's inherent to existence. And you could argue that existence, you know, the Buddha himself said life is suffering. There's a certain amount of suffering that's inherent to existence. But there's also this whole other realm of suffering, which is unnecessary and it is imposed by some human beings on other human beings or by some human beings on animals. And, you know, it's not necessary. It is sadistic. And so that's the type of stuff that was happening in the Congo under King Leopold. And of course, it was enslaving, you know, young kids and stuff like that, forcing them to to work in these horrific conditions. And so that's kind of like, I just include that because it's important for people to to realize like what the Congo has been through, you know, into the modern age. And so Patrice Lumumba, he was originally, he was a um, union activist in the Congo. And he wanted to, he saw that all the resources of his country were being taken out of it. He saw that the country was being exploited by all of these external forces, like colonial countries. And by that point, there was a bunch of countries had their hands in the cookie jar. I think France was messing around in there. And, and so he, he kind of made it his business to take Congo back for the Congolese people. And so it's, it's quite a long story, so I won't get into all the, all the details of it, but really what he wanted to do was he wanted to nationalize the resources of the Congo so that it is such a resource wealth part of the world, a resource wealthy part of the world. He wanted those resources to go towards elevating the quality of life for the Congolese people. And it sounds like such like, yeah, of course. Why, why wouldn't that? It's like, well, the reason why that hasn't been happening is because outside forces have been imposing their will on the Congo and not allowing it to happen. So Patrice Lumumba was incredibly charismatic. He really knew how to like talk to different types of people. Speaking of how we were saying like the importance of being able to reach across the divide and connect with people who maybe see things differently from you. He was excellent at that. He brought everyone together and he was able to unite Congo as like one country is that it was, I believe at that point, it was called the Democratic Republic of the Congo, I believe. But unfortunately, as with so many just amazing, bright, kind of bright people who come, who grace the planet and make such a positive difference, he earned some very powerful and dangerous enemies. And eventually it was the intelligence agencies of Belgium and the United States and the UN as well. And they conspired together to eventually manage to capture Patrice Lumumba and they ended his life. But his, you know, his, the repercussion of his life is still being felt to this day. He's inspired so many people and uh, he's inspired me. And I was really excited that that, that particular episode actually it got some traction in Ghana and some other countries in Africa, which I was really excited about because I've, that was been one of my goals from day one to yeah, connect man. to an international audience. That is yeah. so cool. And, and I'm, I'll go to my podcast host right now. Cause I think it's not, you know, masturbatory. It's actually very interesting to tell people like, Hey, you know, this is, this is the audience that you're connected to. You know, I think people in America kind of get this idea like, oh yeah, we're, we're pod, we're podcast fans, but I mean, yeah, sure. There's majority 77% of my audience is in the United States, 
We've got 500 total downloads in South Africa, which is cool. And a handful in Egypt. I actually have a friend who is in Egypt right now, so maybe that's her. Shout out to you, Maggie. And then Kenya, 20. Love Kenya. Nigeria, 5, which is disappointing because Nigeria is huge. There's so many people in Nigeria. And yeah, man. And to bring it full circle, the name of your show, Barbarian Noetics, Barbary Coast. That's the northern coast of Africa, the southern part of the Mediterranean Sea. And to take it all even further back, the Belgians, I mean, those guys, the only reason they have that, you know, freaking self-righteousness is because their lineage is to the Roman Empire. A lot of those European countries at that time when they were carving up Africa, the kings and the royals of those places, they claimed lineage to ancient times, you know, and, and for Europe, a lot of that is a Roman connection. There are obvious exceptions, but yeah, man, it's it's definitely, you know, it's a big part of, I think, what I felt motivated to get into this initially you know i would listen to underground rap music and i would hear the raw stories you know that immortal technique and cannabis and and dead prez and you know others many others they would communicate these deep truths you know immortal technique specifically is sort of a champion for the people around the world and i'm probably leaving out more important voices but for me immortal technique had the biggest impact and you know to kind of maybe shift away from africa because you did give us a a really great breakdown on patrice lumumba and i think it's definitely worth looking into stark subject you know for sure it is is tough to come to grips with but it needs to be spoken about but to shift just go go out there really quick for your listeners or whoever is through the rabbit holes of space and time go ahead and check out that episode of the barbarian noetics podcast because we do go into more detail it'll be linked in the description for sure okay cool i include like i I always try to include voices besides my own (laughs) you know so i as much as possible i used actual recordings of patrice lumumba he gave some of the most powerful beautiful speeches and um, you can like i I, I had to translate them so he would he spoke them and then I would translate them into English but you can feel the electricity in the air when he speaks so yeah I would encourage everyone um, to go ahead and check out that episode and the point of my episodes is to kind of like lead people on their own research journeys you know there's no way in one one and a half two hour episode I'm going to be able to you know do justice to such and you know these these massive topics but i am trying to give folks opportunities to be like hey maybe this door you could go through that door this door you could go through that door so yeah right. i just wanted to throw that in there yeah no doubt man and kudos to you i appreciate it and i think you're doing a great job but like i was saying you know mortal technique for me was a big inspiration brought a lot of this stuff to light in my life through his music and uh, someone that he actually participated in an album dedicated to is Leonard Peltier, who Mm. is an activist. You actually talked about him on the episode immediately prior to the one we just referenced, so we'll put both in the 
description for people. But for those who don't know, Leonard Peltier is a Native American activist and a member of the American Indian movement who was convicted of aiding and abetting a murder and has been imprisoned since 1977. And this is, yeah, it's very unfortunate. He's 77 years old currently. A lot of 77s there. That's interesting. I just interviewed Crow Triple Seven. There's another <laughs> layer. But let's get into Leonard. I mean, again, I don't expect you to be an expert on this. It's not like you've written a book on these topics or anything. But as much as you, you can remember, what did you cover in that topic when you talked about that? Yeah, Leonard Peltier, man, I mean, one of the longest, he might even be the longest running, like longest incarcerated political prisoner in the US. If he's not the longest, he he's one of the longest. And what really struck me about the Leonard Peltier kind of story is that what comes across is that he is a very genuine good person who was just trying to go about his life in a good way and help people and help his family and help his community that is all that he did and the the crime that he got framed for there's so much evidence that points to chicanery and fuckery in that case i, I won't get into all the details with that but there there was like fabricated testimony and all kinds of stuff and what happened, so your listeners may be familiar with the time on the Pine Ridge Reservation. It was in the 70s. I think I want to say around 1975, referred to as the Reign of Terror. And it was basically like the, you know, whatever the empire does abroad, eventually it comes back home. And of course, indigenous Americans have been like, at they've been the first to have to deal with like the violence and aggression of the empire, you know, and then it's manifest destiny expanded all that. So basically what the U S did to Pine Ridge reservation was they, they wanted to intimidate the people. There was, it was during the time when the American Indian movement was really taking off. The American Indian movement is an amazing story that is rare rarely talked about and the american indian movement for example they took over alcatraz island and held it for something like nine months and they were having they were holding like courses there and in history and all this kind of stuff and that's just one one action that they did they they were an amazing they are an amazing group still very much alive the american indian movement anyways they were getting you know for for the dark forces the adversary that is makes the pulls the strings in the u.s empire the pine ridge reservation was they wanted to terrorize the people they wanted to basically they wanted to like take the fight out of the people they wanted to like they they figured if we can you know if if we can uh, successfully sort of like terrorize pine ridge then maybe that'll take the wind out of the sails of the american indian movement so there was this time called the reign of terror where the fbi was committing all sorts of atrocities on the pine ridge reservation and a lot of native people got shot and killed and so Leonard Peltier, the, the people of Pine Ridge, just asked him to, he was kind of like a thought leader or perhaps even a spiritual leader of the movement. Kind of reminds me of Sitting Bull in that regard. But so they asked for his help, like, come come to Pine Ridge and give the people some some strength, basically. And so, you know, that's what he did. And he is, he's not, he, he wasn't like a pacifist. So he was he wanted to defend the people against these attacks. And so there there was like this exchange of fire where they don't even 
the evidence points that Leonard didn't even fire the shot because his rifle, the, the bullet that was found, there was two FBI agents got shot and then one uh, young native uh, man got shot. Anyway, the bullets that killed the agents, they didn't correlate with the Leonard's rifle, but Leonard did possess a rifle and he was there to help defend the community against this aggression, which everyone has the right to defend themselves against unchecked aggression. I mean, that's how can you, what are you supposed to just expect people to like, just take bullets from the FBI and, and not respond at all. And so they didn't know, they never found out who shot those agents. And so they basically pinned it on Leonard. And then the FBI is a very like vindictive organization. And the, one of the reasons why he's still in jail after all these years is because of this vindictiveness. They're angry that they, they don't know who killed those agents. It's embarrassing for them because it was like whoever did it, it never, they never found out who. So they're like, okay, we're going to pin it on this guy and make an example on this guy. And it's disgusting. Leonard needs to be free, like immediately. He's, it breaks my heart, man. I mean, he, he's, uh, like you said, he's 77 years old. He's having all sorts of health issues and he deserves to be free. He deserves to live out the rest of his life as a free man. And he did not do anything wrong. In fact, he did everything right. He was a stand-up guy who just was trying to help his people. So that's a little nutshell of, of the Leonard Peltier story. And I never miss an opportunity to take a shot at Obama just because I voted for him and I feel like I was duped. So Obama denied Peltier's application for clemency in 2017. So Fuck Obama and all you social justice warriors who think that it's all, you know, homogenous. Yeah. It's not. It's much more complicated than that. And wow, man. Yeah. Thank you for for carrying that story and carrying that truth. And I think more people who learn this particular case, learn who Leonard Peltier was, the more we elevate his story to the truth of what it is, the less this insidious empirical force can keep people like that incarcerated those bright lights only stay incarcerated because the majority of the majority of our lights are dimmed you know and and that's something that it's unfortunate man it, it reminds me of the story of geronimo which is a story that's been told to me many times through a very close connection uh, a mentor of mine who comes from Arizona, where you're from. I yes, just sir. talking to him yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he reminded me of something really important that, you know, they couldn't kill Geronimo. They never, they never killed him. You know, they wanted to, but he turned himself in, you know, and they couldn't defeat him. But it's just, yeah. there's something about the Indian spirit that can't be defeated. And, and I think Geronimo exemplifies that, as does Leonard. And I wish him the best out there, wherever he is incarcerated. And I'd love to get in touch with someone from the American Indian Movement. If there's any representatives out there who hear this, please email me. But you want to switch gears a little bit. It's getting a little heavy. Another aspect of your show that I think is important is kind of a practical take on health and you know we both know how many dangers there are in the world not just from the empire but from what the empire has set in motion all these chemicals that are inundated in our diet our environment our 
you know, just even our home environment from cleaning products to, you know, all the other weird things that they sell in these, you know, Walmarts and Targets. What What is the deal with Shungite? Because I've talked about, and this is your most recent episode, so we can start there and maybe go into some other health stuff you've learned recently. But I love crystals. I have probably a hundred on my desk right here. You could see some of them. Beautiful, man. Your space is beautiful. Thank you. And I love crystal. I've always had crystals. I just, it's just part of my personal awakening and Shungite. I have some Shungite. I've heard the news. I don't, I've never really felt negatively or adversely affected by electronics. I know some people are more sensitive to that than others. Maybe I'm just so beat up by these electronic signals that I don't know the difference, you know? Like, I've just lived in a soup of, of electronic signals my whole life. I live in Connecticut, so we're kind of like in, in between New York City and Boston. It's not really, like, conducive, although there are some wild spaces in Connecticut. I'm not living in one of them. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I wonder, like, would I have to, like, shungite my space somehow or is maybe keeping one just on my necklace enough what what are your thoughts on shungite absolutely thanks for asking me about shungite i love talking about shungite and so just real quick with on the synchronicity tip there's another synchronicity with shungite which i didn't realize until i started researching shungite shungite only comes from one location and it's outside st petersburg and russia a little bit north and a little bit east of St. Petersburg, right on the Russian-Finnish border. It's There's this little town called Shunga, the tiny little town, and it's it's around that town of Shunga that the Shungite is found. And folks, th there's a little bit of controversy about like the origins of Shungite. What, what we do know is that it's insanely old, like 1.5 billion years old. When you hold a piece of Shungite, you're holding a piece of matter that has been in its state for 1.5 billion years. I mean, it's mind blowing and so powerful. And so there's one, one school of thought thinks that it was formed just through the natural pressure, pressurization of the earth. And then through like, I'm not, I'm not like a geologist, but through time, it ended up being displayed on, on the surface of the membrane of the planet. Another theory believes that possibly it actually came on a meteor that so possibly came from extraterrestrial and entered the Earth's atmosphere on a, on a meteor and then exploded out by this little town of Shunga. So, but Shungite is so, so, oh yeah. So the synchronicity there is that my ancestors come from the Russian Finnish border. So I was like, that's so interesting that this amazing mineral that I feel so resonant with comes from the same place as I, I actually know my ancestors came from there, you know? Absolutely. Was, no, yeah, yeah that, that is like, that's a whole nother dimension to this like magic of place. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this and we've done a couple episodes on this topic, landscape energy. And yeah, man, one thing that I'm reminded of is my friend, Michael Wan, who I think you should have on your show. And we'll get back to Shungai in a second, but mm -hmm. there's this area in his particular neck of the woods in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where they have all of this like serpentine. It's like this special type of serpentine that only exists there. And yeah, I wonder what that is. Cause we've had guests on this show talk about limestone being like indicative of civilization. Like wherever there's ancient cities and ancient sites, there's usually limestone. 
And limestone is not exactly a, a crystal, but it's a mineral and, and it has a lot of quartz that occurs near it. So yeah, it, it's definitely, I would say worth looking into further to explore your personal lineage and ancestry, because I'm sure there's more than just shungite that you'll find brother. But yeah, I, there's other crystals that have come in the form of asteroid. Moldavite is another one that I, I'm almost certain, unless I'm confusing it with another M mineral, Moldavite comes from space as well. I have I have a couple like space minerals, tektite, is one that's interesting. It do, doesn't really always come from space. I'm pretty sure tektites also occur when sand gets hit with lightning, but either way, yeah, there are so many strange anomalous minerals, but back to shungite. For sure. So a lot of folks are, you know, rightfully concerned with, as you mentioned, the soup of electromagnetic frequencies that we are just always awash in. I'm in South Phoenix, the industrial area of Phoenix. You know, it, it it's everywhere. Plus, I have my own internet and all that kind of stuff. Our personal devices, our cell phones, they yeah. all have, they all have uh, electromagnetic frequencies, the 5G, all that kind of stuff. And so folks are kind of like, you know, I think it's like a sixth sense that people have with that a lot of times that like, you know, and I think it does affect some people more than others. I know some some of my friends just straight up get like super anxious sometimes, even when they're like close to certain towers and stuff like that. So it does affect everyone differently. But I'm always here for trying to protect myself. You know, my body is my temple. I want to try to protect my organs from all the free radicals, all that kind of stuff, the radiation. And so I had just kind of heard through the grapevine, like, oh, yeah, Shungite protects against harmful EMFs. So I started doing some research into it. And there is uh, a lot of information out there that kind of corroborates that assertion. Shungite is used in different products, including even in the military, which, you know, the military typically doesn't invest in stuff unless it works. And uh, well, I mean, I mean, the technical side of things. <laughs> but anyways, the, so th there's you can find different patents online for products that utilize shungite and it's specifically utilized to block harmful electromagnetic frequencies and some people you you can go on youtube and find videos of folks doing like these basic experiments that kind of show as well so i want to share this one really excellent way of kind of communing with shungite if you or any of your listeners are interested because you know maybe you don't want to like carry it around with you at all times i actually do have a shungite medallion that i have around my neck at all times and i i have shungite everywhere i love it but you know maybe you don't want another stone to have to carry around everywhere you go so there's something called shungite water and i cannot recommend this highly enough i'm just at the beginning of my journey with shungite water but it's going to be part of my my routine of of taking care of myself and trying to uh, elevate my own human spirit i can't be talking about elevating the collective human spirit if i'm not working on elevating my own and so shungite water you just have to acquire the shungite which you have to make sure you get it from a really good source because there's obviously ripoffs so you want to make sure that it's certified there's these different certification whatever badges that you can mm. you can find specifically from karelia the region in russia where shungite is you want to make sure it comes directly from there and that it, it's certified and then when you receive the shungite you can do these basic tests which i'm not going to try to relate because i didn't look into this but there's basic tests you can do involving wires and stuff like that which can demonstrate if it's actual real shungite or not what makes shungite so special is that it's like 
a, there's different tiers of shungite. So elite shungite is more expensive and it's 98% carbon. And then it goes to, you can get tier three shungite, which is more affordable. And that's like 40% carbon. And there's the, the way that the, it's like carbon 60, this, this molecule in the shungite is it creates these like tubes, like carbon nanotubes. And those are actually what collects and sequesters the harmful frequencies. It's very, very interesting stuff. So making shungite water is really easy. You have to acquire the shungite. You have to make sure it's it's real shungite. Then you take really high quality water. I like to work with spring water personally, but you could work with reverse osmosis, but make sure it's really good quality water. And uh, you just, you have to rinse the shungite really well. So the best way to do that is when you receive it, you boil it, boil it for a couple minutes, then rinse that in, in good quality water because it, it's got like, it's real dusty when it comes. So if you're going to be engaging with the shungite water, you want to make sure that the, the shungite is, is disinfected and clean and all that kind of stuff. So once you've boiled, rinsed, you know, I like to do a little sage, a little sweet grass smoke for the shungite, maybe, you know, speak some words over the shungite and all that, just connect with it in whichever way you feel. And, uh, and then you just put it in a glass. You want it to be either a glass or ceramic cup or jar. And you just put the shungite, it doesn't require a lot. You know, you could anywhere from like three pieces to more if you want. And you just pour the the spring water or the high quality water over the shungite. And then you just have to let it sit in that water for about 48 hours. And I like to involve selenite and hematite in the process of shungiting the water because I feel like hematite is really good at like grounding in spiritual energy and selenite. I just love selenite. I always put it out in the full moon and keep mine nice and charged up. So I cover the top of the shungite water. You do not want to screw on a lid or anything like that because you need the oxygen to exchange with the water for it to work. So I just kind of put my selenite and my hematite over the shungite to maybe dissuade my cat from mm. <laughs> trying to to get into it before and, I can. and to be clear you don't want to put the selenite hematite maybe but not the selenite in the water right because selenite okay. is uh i forget the proper term but it will dissolve in the water if you're not careful and i don't think you want to drink selenite water no that's not good yeah, what I meant is like put it on top of the jar right. so it's not right. in contact with the water, but it helps to keep dust and stuff and cats out. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, that's just one idea. You can do it any which way. Yeah. Just make sure that oxygen can get in and out. Now, um, now the, the water itself, let's kind of clarify as well for people. This is a process that's happening, well, for lack of a better description, invisible to the naked eye. This is not a, a process like you know, putting Kool-Aid in water where you're actually changing like the the composition of what's in the water. The water itself is being altered by the shungite, correct? That is correct, yeah. Right. So yeah, we're not so creating some kind of mixture. It's it's really it's like it's it's like pulling the negative energy that water absorbs and collecting it in the shungite. That is an excellent way of putting it. I couldn't mm. have said it better myself. It also, Shungite also has uh, very powerful antimicrobial uh, properties as well. So it's like a further purification of the water. But yeah, it does. It It, it kind of, the, the Shungite will pull in any of the harmful frequencies. You know, water, as as you and your listeners probably know, it, it, it absorbs the frequencies around it. So like when you pick up a spring water at, you know, wherever you get your spring water from, like, you know, it's a good idea to spend some time with that water before you immediately ingest it because, it, it, you know, you don't know what kind of vibrations are 
are in the water. And then, you know, the, the, it combines with the water in our own bodies, which were mostly water. And so you want to make sure that that frequency is, is of a high, high nature. Mm. So I just can speak from personal experience. I've been sipping the Shungite water before meditation and, you know, it, it is an invisible process, like you say, but I, I just can feel, I feel something. It makes me feel some kind of way. And it's, it's a very, very powerful and, and good feeling. So. Well, and, and to be fair, many very, very real forces are operating around us that are invisible to our eye. It, you know, it just, I just meant to say that people shouldn't like look in the water and be like, well, it hasn't turned shungite color yet. So I don't know. <laughs> but to be fair, shungite to go back to like making sure you have the right type. I can imagine as a crystal person who's, who's like collected stones my whole life, pretty much that you could easily mistake any number of different minerals for shungite if you're not careful like the one in my hand might be shungite but to my memory could also be numite which looks exactly like shungite and then hematite doesn't quite look like shungite it's a little shinier and reflective but i could see maybe like a, a darker hematite maybe fooling someone or even like a really polished piece of magnetite you know, so there are various different minerals that you should be aware of when engaging with just any crystal shop. And you look around and make sure that the shungite they're offering kind of, I don't know, stands up to the <laughs> the quality test. But yeah, any advice for people on like sources or website that you recommend or like like a, just a, some advice for where to procure shungite? Yeah, I forget the exact name of the website, but you you want to be getting it directly from Russia. Right. And right. if you want the the highest quality shungite, it's a little more expensive, but you look for elite shungite. Right. And then you can do, you know, I, I always encourage everyone to like look look for yourself, get a feel for the company you're ordering from, make sure that and and like I say, I look for these certification badges, which they have a whole in Russia, because this has become a lot of people are turned on to Shungite now. And so, you know, they, they've had a whole they have a whole system now where they test the Shungite and then certify it before they send it out. And then if you're still if you still want to triple check once it arrives, then, like I said, I'm not going to I can't remember how to do it. But if you just do a quick search, there's basic like tests of con conductivity you can do to to make sure a hundred thousand percent that it's definitely Shungite, but really yeah, cool. I, yeah. A little yeah. science experiment. Exactly. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of uh, like these carbon like tubes or cylinders that they sell now at like Whole Foods and whatnot. I don't know if those are made out of Shungite, but they have like these ca carbon high car concentration of carbon sticks. It's like charcoal possibly. And it's supposedly does a similar thing. It's a very ancient practice using shark charcoal to filter water. So that's true. If shungite is some kind of ancient, ancient form of uh, mineral that's super dense carbon, there's no reason why it wouldn't work the same way, right? So it's not exactly like woo woo new age stuff. You do you could come across like crystal water and like a lot of that, which I've done. I think is very fun. Fun in the sense that like I've actually drinking citrine water and then compared it to like drinking amethyst water and found that like 
yeah, citrine water made me a little more bright and amethyst water made me a little more like wanting to go to sleep, you know, it was almost like the difference between like a, a you know, cup of, you know, green tea versus a, a cup of lavender tea. It was, it was very interesting. But when it comes to minerals, is Shungite, is that where you stop or do you, do you explore other minerals? Do you integrate those in meditation? Shungite seems like to be more of a, a practical mineral is what I'm getting to. Like it has a very practical use in your life with water, but did, have you found like wearing it, does it help with you know being in a more like relaxed state or or a, a aware state like how does it affect your mood or your consciousness yeah so i i think the the best way to describe how it affects me is to go back to how ancient it is it, i just I, I i will never tire of just staring at the shungite wait i got one little piece right here i look at this beautiful it's like a matte black color and i just i try to wrap my head around 1.5 billion years and just that span of time is so mind-blowing and so when i work with the shanghai i would describe it as very grounding because it, it has been in that same state for so long it really helps with you know like my anxiety for example having the shanghai around my neck gives me a certain kind of peace of mind when i go into very electromagnetic frequency heavy zones you know unfortunately phoenix is one of the cities that they seem to be trying to turn into one of the smart cities and so there's the 5g towers going up everywhere and stuff like that so it grounds me and it gives me peace of mind. And then in my meditation practice, it deepens the meditation. And I, I correlate that with the ancient nature of this of the rock and grounding in with that, that, that earth energy that the 1.5 billion years, you know, I mean, it's just, it's astounding. So yeah. Agreed, I, man. I like to work with rose quartz a lot with meditation as well. I really love big, big old chunks of rose quartz. So I find that those open up my heart yeah, I I can relate, man. I actually, I think I have more rose quartz on my desk than any other crystal. I have a lot of crystals, but probably if you were to count them all, I have more rose quartz than any others. I have a lot of amethyst too, but yeah, man, very interesting. There's a gentleman who now lives sort of in your neck of the woods. I won't totally out where he lives, but I would recommend you get in touch with him. His name is Mitch, the Orgone Dealer. And uh, very cool guy, very generous guy, sent me some really beautiful orgone pieces. This one's like a desk piece that you leave on your desk. And then wow. some tactical ones that I really haven't like felt like all that, you know, dedicated to where I'm living right now. Like my girlfriend and I were probably going to not be here next year. So I'm like, why am I going to throw a bunch of like orgone stuff in the ground you know, when like a year from now, I could be in a house that I'm going to be at for 10 years or 20 years. Who knows? Like, I, I really I'm at a stage in my life where anything can happen with my girlfriend and I, you know, we could be in another state in a few months. We could be in another town. You know, we're we're really getting into being independent and maybe even nomadic. But yeah, I, I don't really feel like throwing the, the stuff in the ground. Mitch, if you hear this, I apologize, buddy. I'm using your stuff well. I have it all arranged under my desk. So I do feel like my desk is protected from 
the electromagnetic frequencies. And uh, I will admit also, I'm wearing underwear that another guest sent me that's like uh, lined with silver, which is really wow. interesting. I won't. Awesome. I'm not going to give him any credit because it's something that's not worth mentioning, but he's he's a nice guy. He, at least he was. But anyways, you've talked to a lot of strange people and I, I mean, I'm kind of strange. This is a swap cast. You don't have any questions for me. I, I want your listeners to, I don't know, maybe hear. I don't know if they've heard all of this about you before, but but yeah, brother, I definitely have like some people I'd love to see on your show. Another one is Corey Daniels. He's like the Phoenix Enigma is the name of his website. So you okay. would you would really be interested in what he's talking about. But yeah, I'm gonna have I'm gonna ask you to to give me these names again. Yeah, I'll, I'll off mic, but I'll email you. Yeah, man. So I I was you you kind of read my mind because I was kind of thinking like you know I I want to ask you some questions now. So first off, I just want to say like I'm very impressed with what you've been able to accomplish. In Thank you. Not that long of a period of time. It's your show is obviously really resonating with a lot of people, and that's fantastic because I. And especially now have connecting at least over Zoom or whatever, I can tell that your intentions are, are very pure. And so it's good to see you connecting with so many people, man. And I just, I, I see very good things happening for you and your show. So I just wanted to throw that out there. In Thank terms you. Of, uh, yeah, you're welcome. I would love to know, like, also on your end, what gave, what made you decide to actually dive into the podcast? You talked a little bit about your sense of like wanting to, feeling like sometimes an odd bird with conversations and wanting to be able to def describe and define ideas in a way that actually connects with people. But what made you actually decide like the medium that I'm going to go with is podcast? Yeah, this is a question I've definitely gotten into on my show, but never quite from this frame of view. So I'm glad you posed the question that way. I actually, the first experience I ever had with like audio learning was with the Joseph Campbell archives. So back uh, in 2013, 14, around then, I was just out of high school, just out of college. I went to school very briefly and decided like, this is not for me. And I had a lot of fun being a Chinese food delivery guy. So I was like, I'll just, you know, do this and like make money and, and find another job and keep it rolling for, from there. It was so synchronistic the way I got that job. Like a friend called me and was like, Hey, you said you needed a job two weeks ago. My boss just told me to ask if any of my friends want a job. And I'm like, yeah, I need a job. I just got a car. I need a job. I have a car. I have a, a way to get to places now. So that happened. And I was just excited to be like taking one step at a time. And I didn't realize what synchronicity was, but I was reading books about shamanism. I was reading books about psychism, books about secret societies and conspiracies a little bit, but I was really more interested in like why cannabis was like opening my third eye up because I really like focused in on that and also like 2012 was the year I graduated high school so there was like the whole 2012 awakening thing going on and again black sheep I was into martial arts didn't do really any sports I did wrestling which I don't consider that a sports it's a f organized group brawl but <laughs> but yeah I you know wrestling and and martial arts kind of like got me into this sort of idea of self-improvement 
And then from there, I realized cannabis as a psychedelic could be integrated into that process. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started finding all these books. And that's when I realized, okay, I could drop out of school because what I'm learning in these books is not being taught at my school. I'm wasting my money here for $20 a book. I could learn way more and potentially have more impact on my trajectory and where I want to go. So that kind of gives you like the background of where I was at. And like I referenced earlier, I found the Joseph Campbell archives. And at this point, it, you know, fast forward from when I was a Chinese food delivery guy, at this point I had a different job and I was washing dishes and I didn't want to listen to freaking the music that these guys were playing in this restaurant. So I put my headphones in and I looked on Spotify and back then they had a bunch of like talking audio, you know, that's what I, how I describe it, you know, like archived lectures and things. And Joseph Campbell had probably the most interesting out of the few that were there. And I, I ate that whole thing up. I listened to every single Joseph Campbell lecture while I was washing dishes that summer. And although now I'd say I have a more advanced understanding than where Joseph Campbell left off, that sort of interdisciplinary and sort of, there's another word that starts with a C that I'm forgetting right now, but this sort of comparative philosophy that Joseph Campbell showed me really formed this foundation for kind of what I do now, I guess. And then that got me into listening to stuff, you know, just listening to people talking. And that's when I found stuff that I don't want you to know, which is like kind of a how stuff works podcast, a little more mainstream, you can say, but they did dive into pretty deep topics. Now they've maybe taken a little bit more of a mainstream turn, but they used to get into some really deep topics and that inspired me. I was like, wow, conspiracies are crazy because when I was a kid, I liked watching like FBI files and like unsolved mysteries and all that. So I always kind of liked the true crime stuff. Not totally a big fan of that anymore, but all of that was present. And then eventually I found tinfoil hat, right? Because the whole Joe Rogan universe, Sam Tripoli is a comedian and I found him through other co- comedian podcasts and you know, one thing led to another, and I'm a diehard fan of Tinfall Hat. I listen to every episode. I start finding, you know, other podcasts that are kind of in the same network, like the Higher Side Chats, which is kind of like where it really kicked off because Greg is kind of like a more advanced sort of level, right? You, when you're listening to that show, it's a little more comprehensive and like it requires more as a listener than maybe Tinfall Hat, which is more of like a laid back, deep dive. Sometimes the guests are super, super, you know, like into it, you know, Mm -hmm. other times it's like them making dick jokes and talking about flat earth, which not really my cup of tea. But anyways, I became a big fan and and arguably like a weird fan because I listen to every episode and I would be like, Sam, if only you knew this theory, like I really wanted to like you know, be a a fly on the wall or uh, what's the word, you know, something, uh, whisper in Tripoli's ear, you know, just like have, have like one, like a little impact on him. And, and I ended up going to one of his shows. I went to a comedy show of his in New York city, came to New York city. I went down to New York city, parked my car 
in Brooklyn near where my sister used to live, and I made my way into Manhattan, and I saw Triple E perform. And at the end of the show, he does his typical thing. He's like, shakes everybody's hand, and I was like, oh, Sam, I have this book for you. And he's like, oh, give it to me later. Give it to me later. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give it to you later, whatever. You know, and, like, at first I'm like, oh, man, he didn't want the book. Like, And then he was like, no, give it to me later. We're going to this, like, bar it's called the creek in the cave we're gonna do like an after thing with the swarm and i'm like cool. hell yeah and i yeah. was talking to these guys in line and they were big fans of the swarm and they're like bro like we're gonna drive over there you want to ride because i walked i you know i'm not a new yorker i do not have the patience to drive in manhattan so i yeah. i walked there so they let me you know hop a ride over to the creek in the cave which is no longer open and uh, later I found out synchronistically a bunch of podcasts that I really like were recorded there. So it's interesting. Mm. That place was like sort of has a vortex of its own. So I go there, hanging around, buy some food. I was probably like super baked. I go over and talk to Sam. I'm like, oh, say, you know, talked his ear off for a little bit, gave him a book. But I also gave him this like fabric that I bought. It was a Faraday fabric and I sewed it into a pouch. Oh, hell yeah. I sewed it into a pouch and I sewed it into a pouch big enough to fit the book. So I gave him a book and I'm like, bro, check out this pouch. It's a, you know, it's magic. He's like, what do you mean it's magic? I'm like, put your phone in there and your phone's dead to the world. If you're, yeah. if someone's following you and you think you're being tracked, bro, throw your phone in there. You'll be good. And he yeah. was like, what? No way. Okay, cool. You know, he's like really... He could tell he was really like blown away. Like I had just like pulled some kind of magic out of a hat, you know, <laughs> and, and that was it, man. That was it. I was like, wow, mission accomplished. I gave him a copy of the Caballion because at the time I mm -hmm. felt like with certain guests he had, he was getting into the spiritual stuff, but I, he was talking a lot about the simulation theory and I'm like, Sam, the Caballion tells you about this simulation theory but from the real perspective, not this transhumanist bullshit perspective. Right. So and I wanted him to have that book. I gave him that book. I was like, mission accomplished. Gave him the book. I go home, you know, back to to my place in Connecticut and, you know, I'm just back to normal life and back to just being me. I, I had a podcast at that time that I only did in person, right? It was like me and my buddies, we'd go to his apartment and we would record in studio and we would just bullshit with his friends because I knew that like I was smart enough to like teach them about conspiracies, but I also would rather talk shit and bust each other's balls because that's just funner, <laughs> you For know? Sure. Yes. So that was my <laughs> podcast at the time. It was called The Bud Triangle. We only did 10 episodes and it was on YouTube. Okay. And... I had so I had a little experience under my belt and I had a lot of a lot of years of listening to podcasts at that time. So I felt like I was like, okay, I know what people do on podcasts. I could pull it along, but I just didn't get it going until uh eventually one day I'm on Patreon and I'm on Sam's Patreon and I DM'd him. I'm like, Hey, did you ever read that book I gave you? I'm that tall dude from New York city. And he was like, Oh shit. No, I didn't read it. Come on the Patreon and talk about it. So that was, that was the first time I ever talked to Tripoli on his podcast. It was for his tinfoil hat Patreon. And we talked cool. about skull and bones because that's, you know, my bread and butter. I live 
near New Haven. I don't live in New Haven, Connecticut, but I live near it. And I, I went to school in New Haven at the community college there. So I've learned a lot about Skull and Bones. So I told him my story with Skull and Bones. And then that put me in his like wheelhouse. He had me back on Patreon, you know, three or four times. And he's like, dude, we got to get you on the main show. And Tripoli, you know, he's super busy. So, you know, he'll say like, he'll at that point, he would just email you and be like, I want to have you on the show. And you wouldn't hear back from him for like two weeks. And he's like, hey, could you do the show tonight? And you're like, well, shit, okay, <laughs> let me run home. Like, okay, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I jumped on his, I went on his his spiritual podcast because he had his new daughters ghost and ninja kind of had like a spiritual awakening you know and rockfin came in and and gave him an opportunity to put his video content i know i'm talking a lot about sam here folks but it does relate to me i'll tell you why so i i go on zero before i ever go on tinfoil hat this is like kind of a big deal because like oh okay this is a show that more people than just the patreon audience is going to see right hell yeah and it and it was video which at that time the patreon was i think it was like live stream but it the only the audio state stuck around so i was like yeah this is a big deal i'm going to be talking about stuff with sam so then i just went into talking about synchronicity i told him all kinds of stuff i told him about you know, the book and why I gave him the book, the Cabalion, and it was a good conversation. And again, mission accomplished. Like I, my goal was not to work for Sam Tripoli. Right. But after that episode of zero, the episode three, it was the fourth episode of, of zero. His first episode was zero. So I was a fourth guest and he's like, Hey, who do you think I should have on next? Bro, I sent this guy like a 40 page list. Like I sent him like, like 40 is way too many, but I sent him like a four page list, right? Full of Amazing. guests, you know, all people I've heard on other shows, you know, and or authors that I had their book and knew they were possibly alive. <laughs> and, and yeah, that just maybe like, I don't know, impressed him. And he was like, can you reach out to these people for me, whoever you get, I'll pay you, you know, 20 bucks. And if you do a good job, maybe we'll, you know, I'll pay you more or have you book for other shows. And one thing led to another and I started booking for zero and also tinfoil hat. That's going a little fast forward because after he offered that to me, I was psyched. I was like, Oh yeah, man, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to work for Sam Tripoli. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then I, I mean, I really did. Cause at that time it was 2019, the pandemic was in full swing and I was sick of being a delivery guy at that time. I was a delivery guy for Amazon. So more freedom, longer yeah. hours. It wasn't a bad job. I enjoyed the job, but because of the pandemic, they were making it a really lame job. It was, it was becoming really lame to work there. Uh, and that's all we need to say about that. But yeah, I had come to my end with them and, and Sam kind of offered me that opportunity right in like a middle point where I'm like, well, I'm clearly not going to be doing this for much longer. What should I do next? And he's like, yeah, you, you want to work for me? He's like, you should start your own podcast, though. And I was like, yeah, I had a podcast called The Bud Triangle. Because at that point, my friends, they didn't want to hang out in person. They were all like, 
afraid. I was like, God damn, these kids don't want to even come out. Oh yeah. Oh geez. You remember that, right? So, so we couldn't even record the podcast because we did it in person, right? We didn't, we didn't know about zoom. We didn't have that technology uh, in mind. So, and even with Sam, it was over StreamYard, so I didn't really quite make the connection. He's on Zoom now, but anyways, anyways, Sam encouraged me to start my own podcast. I give all the credit to him. If it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now with the show and all the amazing people that resonate with my show. Funny enough, a big majority of them didn't even listen to Tinfall Hat before they came to my show, which surprises me. I always assumed that like, oh, I'm like riding Sam's coattails and like people are just going to listen to my show because they heard me on Tinfall Hat. Not true. You know, it's really, it's astounds me when I ask like the Patreons and stuff, like how'd you find out about the show? And they just say, you know, whatever unique way they found it. Sometimes it's Tinfall Hat, but most of the time it's not. And I think my show and Sam's show have two different audiences, really. Like we're we're kind of targeting different groups of people in a way. But anyways, yeah. So that that was amazing, and it really blew my mind. Like this, the way synchronicity could connect people that you thought were so far out of reach, you know? Because like. Mm-hmm. If I tried to repeat that with any other comedy store comic who has a big podcast, good luck. Not going to happen, you know? So it was just, yeah, it was amazing. And I I count my blessings for sure on that opportunity. And when I told my family, I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, this comedian from Los Angeles. And they're looking at me like, what? Who? (laughs) You know, they have no clue. They have no reference. They probably don't even, haven't even listened to a comic in the past 10 years, you know, like unless it's on like NBC or ABC, you know, like they they have no reference for this. So they're like, you're going to quit your job to do what? And I'm like, well, yeah, trust me, it could work out. It could be a big deal, you know, and I've always had, like I said, this sort of like, I know I don't like going with the crowd. I go against the grain. So if people are going to tell me that I'm I can't do it, I'm going to do it. You know <laughs> that was the oh, fuel. Yeah. So when they kind of like like look dismissed this beautiful opportunity, and I didn't ask for their permission. I don't need their permission, but I thought they would at least show some excitement, which it was very you know it was very disappointing. So that's when mm-hmm. the the thought hit me on my way home that day. My family thinks I'm crazy. They think I'm crazy. Yeah. They think I'm a loser. They think I'm I'm a stoner loser who has nothing going for him. And now he's got some kind of pipe dream with some Hollywood guy, right? Which sounds insane. It sounds insane to anybody. <laughs> like, ask anybody, you know, like who has parents and comes from like, like you said, working class. Like, that's me, dude. My dad works for a water company. Like, he's not, not some like Connecticut elite. And I've seen those people. They're assholes. But, you know, that's, sure. that's kind of what put it into place. And, and because I started with that authentic experience of like, wow, my family thinks I'm crazy. It's resonated with people, you know, like I didn't like search for weeks, like what's the best title for a podcast? Not that you did that or anybody does that, but I I just feel like it came from an authentic place. And, and it, it, it's funny, like in hindsight, it kind of comes to comes full circle as many things do synchronistically a friend of mine who has a podcast called forum borealis he was like he's like a very intellectual guy european he's from norway 
And I have a lot of respect for people from other countries. It's like what we were talking about with Africa. And so I always love an opportunity to talk to somebody with a different perspective. And Al has that perspective and you you should do a show with him. He's really smart. But he told me, he's like, Mark, you know, I'll try to do an impression of him. Mark, it's a brilliant, he said it's a brilliant title because it's like, you're never, it's like the phrase, it's like a modern way of saying you'll never be a prophet in your home country, you know, and I'm probably even butchering that phrase at that, but that's yeah. kind of how I feel like you have this like prophetic realization of what your reality is and the first people to shut it down are the people that are closest to you <laughs> it's it's yeah. the people that we reach through the airwaves through the podcast that resonate the most because that's just the way the statistics pan out man that's just the way it is like when we looked at the statistics earlier and saw that there were 500 people in south africa that's only because that's an english-speaking country right i mean for the english-speaking countries we're probably the numbers are pretty high compared to others, but yeah, that's just the way it's statistically pans out that, you know, us black sheeps are going to be few and far between. And now that the internet has erased the borders that used to separate us, here we are, you know, and, and we're going to see, unfortunately, if we don't elevate our consciousness and elevate the discourse that surrounds these subjects, we're going to see the empire sink its you know <clears throat> tentacles around us and and choke this place out so that's why not only do i have the podcast my family thinks i'm crazy but i have alt media united which is a podcast cooperative that you're now a part of and the goal is to help people understand how they can work with technology and how technology can work with them in a way that elevates free speech elevates consciousness and minimizes the potential for suppression, censorship, and uh, oppression, because that's what we're all dealing with is a global force of oppression. And if we can't speak our voices loud then and, and then call these truths out, then, you know, geez, we don't have much left really. And, and especially given the privilege that you and I have being people born in the United States to speak our, our yeah, dude, to speak, <laughs> to speak our minds freely. And I'm sure there's other countries that have similar freedoms of speech, but for the most part, you know, we're talking about Africa. We're talking about the native Americans. There are groups of people all over the world whose free speech is not respected. And if we can connect to them and reach out to them, and make an impact on the collective in that way. Psh, my mission is accomplished, bro. Like I said before, gave Tripoli the Caballion, mission accomplished. <laughs> Went on his show, Patreon, Talk Skull and Bones, mission accomplished. And now I have a lot more missions in front of me, you know, and I'm, I'm about accomplishing them. That's my thing. So I have a, a couple quick comments and then do I have time to ask you one more question after that? Do you yeah, bro, we can keep this going. We, we started okay. late so we could, unless you have to go, I have as much time as you'll give me. Okay, awesome, man. So your story just like pop, 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 my synapses are going crazy. So it, it, it demonstrates all these things that I believe in really deeply. So the first thing it demonstrates is that we have, there is an angelic force 
of light, for lack of a better term, for light, the force that is behind the acausal connecting principle, the force that does connect mind A, spirit A with spirit B, because then they have to meet spirit C. There's forces at work that are our allies and they're actively assisting us. And it's just like when you say like, what are the chances of that happening with Tripoli? That really came through for me. It's like, that's an example of those angelic forces, boom, 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 just seizing the moment, you know, how like the, the universe works in these mysterious ways. And that was just one of those moments where it was like, big bang, here we go, we're off. And then the way that you came up with your podcast title, that reminds me a lot of the Taoist philosophy of anything that comes your way, you make it work for you. There's a story, which I'm going to kind of butcher of basically like three monks in a forest and they, they build this intricate temple and they're months and months of collecting resources and putting this intricate temple together. And right when it's like, you know, a week out from being finished, this drunk maniac comes through and like, knocks everything over and wrecks the entire thing and two of the monks are like you know really angry and like like how could you do this to us and the third monk is like wait a minute no this is actually a gift like the temple was not actually coming out the way it was supposed to come out this drunk maniac <laughs> was actually sending us a a signal and so when you know i imagine when your parent when your family reacted that way it probably made you feel not so good at first, like in your heart, you're probably like, ah, but look at what it gave rise to. It gave rise to this title, which resonates with so many people. And then it also like allows you to connect with so many other people who feel the same way that you do. And I think there's a lot of power in that. Mm. And then I, the last thing I wanted to say was like, fuck the deep state and their tentacles, man. We're so much more powerful than they are. That's It comes through every single time in meditation, man. Like when our chakras are aligned and we have our body as a temple, we are so powerful. And I just believe that we can accomplish anything and we just go forward. You know, it, it's a cliche to say you go forward fearlessly because I think that you have to allow yourself to feel the fear, but then in that Taoist manner, you make it work for yourself. It's like fuel in your gas tank. And you can do that with any quote negative emotion. You know, when someone disrespects you and stuff that can be, you can transmute that. It can be fuel in your gas tank. So that's what I mean when I say fearlessly, but we fearlessly go forward and I just don't think anything can stop us and we can connect with these angelic forces. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well said. And yeah, thank you for, for pointing that out because yeah, it definitely feels good to, to be validated in that way and in, in sort of correspondence. And from your perspective, someone that I mentioned earlier that I spoke to yesterday, he just provoked a thought that he shared with me, uh, a truth that he shared with me rather that and this was inspired because I had a really brilliant woman on this show. Her name is Andre Vassan. You may have seen that episode. It came out recently. And yes, we sir. talked about the Mayan calendar. We talked about the Mayan dream spell calendar, as she calls it. It's actually over my shoulder here, behind my head there. But he said that, you know, because, you know, I, whenever I talk to my friend Amos, my mentor, it's always very much him talking at me in a way where, like, <laughs> You know, when you're speaking to an elder, you have a lot of respect for them and you, you, you don't interrupt them. And and me, I mean, geez, like I wish I had that much respect for my grandparents when I was a kid, because unfortunately, that's where a lot of my debating skill comes from is arguing with one of my grandfathers because him and I just we always butt heads ideologically. And it's definitely helped me. It's like, you know, steel sharpens steel. 
But, you know, I don't want to argue with my grandfather every time I see him. You know, that's not good. But anyways, besides the point. So Amos, I have this tremendous respect for him. And I just, I, I let him share these things with me. And I, I brought up the Mayan dream spell calendar. And it always feels like I'm stumbling around. Like I'm trying to juggle these ideas. And he's just like knocking the ideas out of my hand and like correcting me like Mr. Miyagi, you know. And my girlfriend was with me yesterday. She met him for the first time. So maybe that added to the maybe like the feeling of like, oh, well, this is kind of embarrassing. But normally it's like, yeah, I, I'm there for that. You know, I want him to correct me. I want him to to show me up and and share his wisdom. And if it means like kind of jabbing him a little bit or throwing an idea his way that he thinks is bullshit, well, if I was more like walking on eggshells approach, I might not have gotten this out of him. So story aside, digression aside, what he told me about the Mayan calendar and, and about 2012, which is funny because that's around the time I met him after 2012. That was the year I went into school, the beginning of 2012 or I'm sorry, the end of 2012. That was my first semester as a freshman. And I met him around that time. And he said, that moment, you know what the Mayan said about that moment? He said, you know what 2012 really represented? He said, it wasn't an apocalypse. He said, it wasn't the end of the world. He said, you know, sand that falls in an hourglass and how that sand settles at the bottom? He said, the evil that was at the bottom settles at the top and then it's flipped over, man. And the good rises, you know, to the top wow. and falls. And now the good is on the top of the equation. Wow. Then it switches again and the good gets pushed down to the bottom and the evil is on top. And then it's, you know, and this is the cycle yeah. of life. This is the cycle of the Mayan calendar. This is the cycle of the Zodiac. You know, this is what we're what we're talking about on a cosmic level. So I think that's important to remind people is like this wave that you and I are both very deeply a part of the podcasting uh, awakening. Maybe we can call it for the first time. <laughs> if others have called it that respect to you, but this podcast awakening, I think could have only happened because of this, right? Obviously technology and all that and the internet, but this, 2012 thing you know it's mm -hmm. it's got the ball rolling i mean maybe we're still in the phase where you're asking me questions but i want to ask you what was your 2012 like man my 2012 i was uh getting ready to well the the solstice of 2012 i was getting ready to leave the big island of hawaii i had been living out on the big island for two years at that point and uh yeah, I was, to be honest with you, man, I was going through, I was going through it. I were, you know, also very open about this on the podcast, but I had struggled with alcohol for a long time. I've now been sober from alcohol for eight years, but I struggled with Congratulations, it for a long time. bro. Thank you. But so, yeah, at that point I was still uh, struggling with it. I was struggling with a lot of depression and to be honest with you, man, my 2012, even though it, I had a lot of fun body surfing in Hawaii and all that kind of stuff, but there was a lot of sadness and I felt a little bit directionless. And I remember just like kind of praying, like maybe this can, you know, I didn't think of it in the time. I didn't think of it at the time, the way you put it, but in my spirit, I was thinking like, maybe it's time we can flip the hourglass, you know, with my own personal journey here. And, and sure enough that that's what happened. So yeah, that was my 2012. I was in the jungle with the Koki frogs 
<laughs> Beautiful, man. Yeah, they say, actually, a recent guest this episode will be out by the time this one is out. It's not out yet. But my friend Roman, who lives in uh, California and then goes to Hawaii uh, periodically, he says that the energy of Hawaii is is very magnetic. You know, that magma, magnetic magma flowing through the volcano. He says that, and this is a direct quote from something he said on the air. So folks, go back and listen to this episode. Uh, the island either chews you up and swallows you or chews you up and spits you out. And it's not always <laughs> yes. a bad thing to be chewed up and spit out, you know? Sometimes that's what you need, man. And and he was more saying like some people go there and realize they want to live there and stay there forever. And others go there and realize like, oh, no, I'm probably better off going home. Obviously, the native Hawaiians can resonate with that. They're probably like, yeah, that's Pele telling you to get the hell off our island, you know. But, but yeah, I, I definitely think there's some higher order to where we end up in the world and Damn, I, although Arizona and Phoenix specifically is supposed to be like that smart city, bro, you are on top of a very ancient, ancient, ancient place, you know, and yes. I'm sure you're you're connected with that in some way now. And, and that's why I encouraged you to get uh, in touch with Corey Daniels, and I'll, I'll definitely send you his, his contact info. But yeah, all you have to oh, do yeah. is tell him you're in Phoenix, and he'd probably love to podcast with you. But yeah, it it's, you know... It's something that I'm fascinated with as of right now. I mean, where I live, it's kind of older, so the history's a little further in the past, you know? Mm -hmm. And Amos told me yesterday, he's like, dude, stop looking in the past, move forward. You know, I was trying to tell him all these stories and things I learned. He's like, bro, just move forward. Like, focus on what's moving forward. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, too. So, yeah, I respect what you're doing with your show, man. I think it's very present. You know, you have a, a presence with your show. Shungite is just the, the tip of the iceberg. You've covered a lot of topics dealing with not just health, but higher ordered health, right? This higher level of health, this mental, spiritual body connection. And yeah, man. I, uh, I do want to keep asking you questions. Oh, yeah. Hold I, on. Let me. I, yeah. I really <laughs> <laughs> I'm in host mode right now. Sorry. Go ahead. But I will say for folks that I, I speak very candidly about my struggle with alcohol. And I actually did a five part series where it was like such a journey, man, doing that five part series because I there was no holds barred. Like I was complete. I, I let myself be completely free with relaying my story and my separate rock bottoms i had to go through three rock bottoms and uh, attempting to take my own life and stuff like that so for folks who have you know maybe are, are struggling with alcohol or really any kind of addiction or they have a loved one or something like that i have a five-part series all about my journey i call it crafting sobriety from the chaos of alcoholism so but now back to you though so i wanted to talk to you man i i when i was looking at your episodes i noticed a, a recurring theme was that of psychedelics and that's a personal love of mine I've all, I wanted to do psychedelics before I knew what psychedelics were. Like I was, I was all like reading the doors of perception before, like I could read, like it was, so I'm, I'm so curious to hear about like your journey with psychedelics. And if you had any, if you have had any formative experiences, if you're, if you're open to talking about it, uh, formative experience with the plant medicine. 
Mm. Yeah, and you know, I've definitely talked about this a bit on shows before. Recently, I was on a podcast called Once Upon a Time on Psychedelics, and we got into some stuff there, but I kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of have like a an ephemeral sort of feeling about my psychedelic experiences. Like for that podcast, I definitely went out of my element a little bit and tried my best to remember. But to be honest, it's very hard to be like, well, this is what I took and this is what I, you know, happened next. And I have pieces, spotty pieces of memories from experiences. And I've always had a strong relationship with cannabis. Okay smoke every day for 10 years so that's a psychedelic experience i mean you're talking to yeah. somebody who hasn't been sober in 10 years i mean that might scare people literally scare people and people who hear that and aren't like familiar with cannabis would be scared for me they'd be like is this guy okay is he sane you know, like, seriously, there's a group of people out there who think like that. And then there's another group of people who are like, no, this guy's medicating himself. He's using something that clearly is working for him in some way. Right. And I definitely resonate with like things that Graham Hancock have said, where he's like, yeah, I was a like a addict. I smoked weed every day and ayahuasca like freed me of that. And now I'm like, you know, now he doesn't smoke. And he was very much different than me in so many ways. So I'm not going to compare myself anymore to Graham Hancock, but <laughs> that, that stuck, that stuck with me, like him saying that. And also I've always felt the stigma that people have placed on me when I admit mm -hmm. to them that I smoke weed every day. So mm -hmm. part of the podcast, part of my family thinks I'm crazy is validating that and showing people like, no, 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 no. Like, Hey, I'm high, but I'm also highly intelligent. Like that's, that's the difference. And I'll tell you this, I wasn't as intelligent as I am now when I started smoking weed and I'm trying to be as modest as I can. Cause I don't think I'm a genius. Like I definitely have a lot of like blind spots, especially when it comes to like really practical stuff. My girlfriend helps with that. But you know, when it comes to this kind of thinking and what we do here on shows like this, I've always been predisposed to it. And I think cannabis is a big part of it. And I've always used cannabis with intention. So that carried over into all my psychedelic experiences. And with psychedelics, you know, it's not an easy thing to come by. It depends on who you know. And I'm not like a festival head. Like I don't go to Grateful Dead. And you know, they have like a Grateful Dead cover band that comes around New England a lot. And like everybody who's into that around here is into that, you know, and I'm not into that and I'm not into what other people are into generally. So it's not easy to come across these kind of things. And yeah, so that makes it sort of sporadic. And when I have found quality stuff, whether it's LSD or mushrooms, I've had pretty interesting experiences because I've waded into them with intention. Before I found podcasts, when I listened to stuff on YouTube and whatnot, I would like listen to like Alan Watts or Terrence McKenna, which, mm -hmm. you know, they're interesting. I, I agree with a lot of Terrence's thoughts. I don't like hedge my perspective on his world views and whatnot, but I, I definitely 
spend many hours <laughs> you know how psychedelics could keep you up all night many yeah. sleepless nights listening to alan watts and terence mckenna but those are all like those are all like kind of manufactured you know like i manufactured mm. those experiences by listening to those things by mm. putting myself in that place and i always had like a very tiny space where i felt comfortable because mm -hmm. up until two years ago, I was living at my parents' house for most of my life, which wasn't terrible. My dad actually has like a really beautiful forest in his backyard that mm -hmm. I grew up in. So I loved being back there. And I just, you know, living in a one room for your whole life, you, you get real comfortable. So I was real comfortable in my room. So I would sometimes trip there, but I could only trip at night, you know, because the family's going, you know, around and... You don't want to be doing that while people are up and about in the house. So it's very sporadic and limited. And then I was a part of like a, a fraternity for a while. And when I lived at this little frat house, which I didn't go to the college that the frat house was a part of. So that's a whole nother story. But but they were kind of like animal house, kind of like, you know, a decentralized frat and uh -huh. and that's where a lot of the fun started with that kind of stuff and yeah i mean it's not so like i said it's not something that i could write a book about so it's hard for me to like go and tell you what happened when and but the most interesting experience that i ever had like multiple experiences that i've ever had with psychedelics were in combination with being in nature and mm -hmm. they were interesting because of the animals that I interacted with. Mm. So I'll give you three examples. So when I was really, really young, I they give you like those recorders in like fourth grade and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was playing a recorder in my backyard. And this isn't obviously on psychedelics, but music has an effect on your consciousness. Mm -hmm. So I was playing the recorder and I'm not a musician anymore, but at that age I could play the hell out of a recorder and I was playing the recorder sitting on this mound of dirt that my dad had like pushed into a mound in, in the backyard somewhere not like a sacred mound or anything like that. And this family of possums walks up to me and like is listening to the music I'm fluting, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is like, and I'm only like eight, you know? So yeah. that stuck with me. That really stuck with me. And I've always had like a deep appreciation for animals, which fast forward to when I was at that frat house, one morning I woke up, I took some really, really high quality L and I went on a hike up a mountain you're from arizona you probably wouldn't respect this mountain you'd call it a hill but to us in new england it's a mountain especially in comparison to the surroundings so i went up on this mountain and i just stayed up there all day man because at that point in my life i had nowhere to go nowhere to be no one was keeping up with me and i could sleep at the frat house so like you know if i showed up really weird and tripped out who cares right so so i go up to this forest on top of this mountain and the mountain's surrounded by like hood like it's not like not just city but like hood like hood city so and with all due respect i've met a lot of really great people in new haven no disrespect to anyone who lives in the hood but but yeah i'm on this kind of strange mountain and i'm sitting on this big tall rock it was probably a part of a cliff but it was tall because like the 
the cliff was only like 10 feet high compared to the surroundings. So I climbed up from this like ledge and then I'm sitting over the forest. This is just like little valley in this mm. forest that's on top of the mountain. So you got to imagine like mountain and then a dip and then more mountain. And I'm like right there looking over the dip and mm. I'm sitting there so long that I just get lost in meditation, which mm. is difficult. If you're not trained at meditation, it's difficult, but mm-hmm. you know, these sort of uh, chemicals <laughs> offer a different perspective, a different consciousness. So I was very in my seat, in my mind, in my mode, and a mm-hmm. big, tall deer, big buck mm-hmm. comes out of the forest and comes right up to the rock I'm sitting on, bro. Wow. And, you know, this rock is, like I said, eight, nine feet high. So I'm looking him right in the eyes, but I'm like, I'm like sitting and he's very tall. Like this is a big deer, probably like five and a half feet tall, you wow. know? So he's like looking at me, looking up to me. And, and I'm so still that he's probably just like, what the hell is this rock? Like, that's a weird shape rock. Usually I like to stand on that rock. Now there's another rock on top of that rock, you know, cause I'm just like still, you know, and he's staring at me. And I just had this like really deep, like connection with that particular buck. And then a couple of months later, I'm on another hike and I find Sorry for the audio people, but I find these two antlers that I'm showing you right now on the video. And these antlers are a gift, you know, like the feathers that I have right there and this feather right here, which has its own story. They're gifts from nature, you know, and when you're in that consciousness state that psychedelics lend, you can integrate with nature in a way that's you just become enmeshed you know you become mm-hmm. a part of it and it's beautiful the experiences you could have the other the third one that i'll share was under the auspices of the fungi kingdom and it was a really fun place that we went to me and a group of people that i was working with at the time and it was like an environmental campaign that we were working for which i was like so naive and got into like political bullshit at that age this was pre bernie so so yeah i was working for these people we were all canvassers which is like such a a weird job you get all types of people who okay. become canvassers as specifically for an environmental group so we're a bunch of hippies and we go and meet another group of hippies who work for a different branch up in upstate New York and another branch and another branch. So all these hippies meet at a campsite and what do we do? We enjoy fungi. So <laughs> we went around <laughs> on a hike and we all had a, a heaping helping and I was, wow. I'm very tall. You can't tell from my seated position possibly or from listening but I'm very tall, so I don't like to walk in the midst of people. I'm either way behind or at the front because I don't want you stepping on my heels and I don't want to step on yours, right? So especially in a larger group, which this was. So I'm at the front of the group and I'm probably feeling it the most because I was like the shaman. I had the bag. I was sharing it with everybody, right? We, Me and my crew, we procured the fungi for the group, right? We'll just put it that way. And <laughs> I'm at the front. 
I'm like, yeah, everybody, let's go. We're going through the woods. And we had just like sat down and enjoyed the presence of these pine trees. Because you know how when you're walking through a deciduous forest and then you come across a group of pine trees, you're just like, whoa, this is different. Now we're in a different, this is a different forest. So we like kind of sit on the bed of pine needles and we stand up and start walking again. And that kind of initiates this like head rush, which is always fun when you're in that consciousness mode and we go around this bend down this trail over this hill and we get into a wetland we see like you know cattails and the things that would be growing in a marsh and i come around this bend and on a dead tree fallen tree oh i tried to miss that motorcycle on a fallen tree there was an eagle a bald eagle Okay. And keep in mind, you know, in Connecticut, Uh, like you don't, you see bald eagles, they're in Connecticut. We're all the way in upstate New York now at this part of the story, but where I'm from, you generally don't just see bald eagles unless you're sort of by the water or, or like rivers and stuff, but they're around. They're not totally rare, but this bald eagle was 10 feet away from me, man, (laughs) on a fallen tree. And we surprised him, you know, cause we're all like, we're all like breathing with our steps because we're all like tripping, you know? So we're like extra, extra in a mode. Cause if you're hiking with a group of people, you're loud, right? Most yeah. group hike, hiking groups are like chattering. You can hear them from like 50 feet away as they're coming. Not us. Yeah. We are all like in the mode, like, Oh, let's explore. So we like all sneak up on this bald Eagle, man. And he was massive, like really massive bigger than any bird I've ever seen that wasn't in a zoo because I've seen a condor in a zoo and and that was the biggest bird I've ever seen. But this eagle, when it took off, it was so heavy that it was like weightless for a moment. Like the way that they take off, because we startled them a little bit, you know, but to see that in that state of mind, in that consciousness, to see how his flight (laughs) works, like... It was beautiful, man. It was breathtaking. You know, it was like he he jumped. He kind of like was like weightless for a moment and like in the air, just like like brought his wings back full apex and then just like mm-hmm. big thrust up in the air. And uh, it was, yeah, it was so, so unbelievable to see that. And like I said, I was at the front of the group. So I was like, whoa, 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 everybody sh- look. <laughs> and we kind of all got to see him take off and some people in the back were like what what was that you know and (laughs) you know it was great man that's very auspicious (laughs) yeah and so those are yeah those are some of many actually more recently not on psychedelics but just living in the now following synchronicity on the road which is my favorite place to follow synchronicity by behind the wheel my girlfriend and i came upon uh red-tailed hawk eating a squirrel in the middle of the road and he was so like he was not giving up this food like cars were like going around him you know because people have respect in this part of the state like it's a more wealthy part of the state and it's like a really nature-y road that we're just happened to be traveling through at that time 
So people mm-hmm. are, are kind of, I got to give it up to them. They're, they're good drivers. Nobody was going to run this red-tailed hawk over, which <laughs> you can't say that for like where I live now. But yeah, we, we stopped and we're like, whoa. And this red-tailed hawk was like looking me in the eye from like two feet away. Because, you know, when you pull up to something in a car, you're like right next to it. You're in a seated position. I didn't have like a truck or anything. So I'm in like a, you know, a Chevy or something. And I'm just, or no, yeah. it was my Nissan. I'm in a Nissan and, you know, I'm just like, whoa. And I was talking to my friend, Michael Wan, who is like the Susquehanna alchemist. So that maybe that played into it too, but mm. birds, animals. I mean, you know, I, I've had a bear encounter at one point mm. in my life. I saw a bear, a, a mama bear and a baby bear when I was oh. dropping a package off in front of someone's house. So wow. I'm like, I'm like a new England, Steve Irwin, bro. Like I, <laughs> if I see an animal, I pull my phone out and I start running towards it. You know, like yeah, I'm yeah. always trying to, I'm always trying and maybe I shouldn't pull my phone out, but yeah, I'm always trying to interact with the, the animal kingdom and, you know, from childhood to, you know, these more susceptible states of consciousness, they've interacted with me. And I think there's, there's some powerful about that, you know, like spirit animals, like people who mm-hmm. sign up for my Patreon, I give them a spirit animal name and I don't come up with it off the top of my head. I have like two decks of cards that help me name everybody. But yeah, it's, cool. it's definitely something that I integrate into my, my daily life, you know, just seeing what animals meet me today, you know, like today I saw a bunch of chipmunks. You know, <laughs> do you ever try writing poetry about your experience with encountering animals? I'm really glad you asked that. You know, there's something really like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe this will sound silly to some people, but there's something really like, like a blockage, like, like a masculine blockage that I have growing up in working class situation and like the idea of me writing poetry it <laughs> feels like uh, this is not something I would ever do but w- with the podcast yeah man like I'll show you my notebook the intros that I write for the mm-hmm. podcast lately are poems I mean they're basically poems so yeah I mean I, I could essentially call myself a poet and I don't even know it, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, no, I've, I've never been that on point to be like, Oh, I'm in nature right now. Let me pull my notebook out and record this thought. Like it's, it's always very discombobulated and like, you know, I'll have like an inspiring thought, like, you know, when I don't have a piece of paper to jot it down, you know, even though I have that intention, I have a notebook right here that I write in occasionally, but, but yeah, I'm just kind of very in the moment to a fault sometimes. So poetry, yeah, I like it, but I have to be like in the podcast editing mode and be like, Mm -hmm. this is the conversation. This is how it feels. And that's why I really clicked with what you said before about at the really beginning of our conversation about free association writing. You probably phrased it more intelligently than that, but Okay, cool. So free association writing. I don't know why that doesn't sound correct to me, but that's what I do. You know, I just listen to my interview. <laughs> I don't listen to the whole thing. I listen to bits and pieces of it and try yeah, to remind that is. You know how that is. People like, I can't listen to my own voice other than right now when I'm saying the words, right? <laughs> so, so that's difficult. But other than that, I try to like get the vibe of the conversation and think of how I want the listener to like what I want them to visualize 
to get them primed for the conversation. That's mm-hmm. I just started doing that around like episode 120 or something. It was like one particular guest that really like moved me. And I was like, Oh, I gotta, gotta like write this out and talk about it and like say it. And, and that's why I was really impressed with the format of your show. Cause it's so free flowing and creative. And I, I always tell people from the podcast cooperative perspective, when they come to me for advice with that kind of thing, I always tell people like, go to you, go to what you like, you know? And that's what I try to bring with my podcast. Like what would I like to listen to if I was listening to a podcast? And I listen to so many that I have so many inspirational sources. Now your show is another one of them. And, and I think that's like the beauty of what we're doing is there's no real competition with podcasting and everybody can bring their own spin to it that like, even if like one little aspect of your show, like is something that I'm like, Oh, I could do that on my show. It wouldn't even be like a, a ripoff. Cause it would be like still, if I did it correctly, which I try to s- assume that I have that standard <laughs> that I would do it in a way that's <laughs> respectful. But I think that's just the nature of it is like, we're all yep. building upon this format and adding new things and like remixing what we hear other people do in our own way. And some people like yeah. some stuff, some people like other stuff. Some people like the Rogan thing where it's like quick music, 30 seconds straight to conversation. And then just a huge long conversation with ads in between. Some people like that. Some people don't mind that me. I'm like, no ads, none of that. Get the person right into the conversation right away. And then we'll talk about all that other stuff at the end. And, and that's why I like what you do. Cause it's kind of fun. It's like, there's different music going on. I was going to ask you about that too. Like, how do you get the music that you get for your show? Cause I notice you have a lot of music and we don't have to talk about this on the air. Cause this is kind of like inside baseball, but yeah, the music that's, that's something that I, I try to integrate in my show too. Cause a lot of shows, unfortunately, they just have that one intro song, you know, which it, it works for some people. It works for some people, but me, I want to like give people an immersive experience. Yeah. Like they found something unique. Yeah. I guess the show has evolved a lot. So I resonate with what you said earlier about how, you know, your old show, you know, not old show, but the earlier episodes might not sound the same as what you're putting out now. And yeah, I mean, that's great. Like I have, I, I think that's the best way to do it because then people see like, Oh, like this isn't some big polished, like media crap like this guy like started from here and made it all the way here and like look how good that sounds and it's inspiring as heck man there's so many people that hit me up and they're like dude i started a podcast after listening to you say it was like so fun and i'm like yeah it is fun do it (laughs) you know like i said there's no competition we're all in this together and the more we can get people listening on our side of this equation of light love and truth the better the world's going to be. Yes, absolutely. I was also going to say real quick too, that when you were talking about how you always have to follow what you are interested in, what you would listen to, I like to say that I use my passion as a compass. So a lot of times it's very easy sometimes to get overwhelmed, especially when you're trying to put out a lot of content of like, what am I going to talk about? And so I just always use my passion as my compass and, you know, passions, 
come and go. And sometimes you're into one thing and then something happens. And but it's a way that you get to interweave the synchronicity that happens in your, in your IRL in real life into what you're doing with the podcast. And I just think that's really powerful. So just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you. Yeah. And while you're at it, tell the folks listening on my end of the equation where they can follow up with your show and everything you got going on, however they can support you, you know, where you're at on social media and all that. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. So everyone can find the Barbarian Noetics podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify did take down one of my shows. So I always tell folks that if they have an option besides Spotify, maybe go with that because I don't know if I got an official takedown notice for one of my shows. So, But yeah, you can find it anywhere anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also go to my host site, which is barbarian.buzzsprout.com. And then I... Uh, would love people to check out my side project. I'm doing a, a video project with my good friend, Dr. Sylvie Salinger, uh, who is a PhD. She did her dissertation on artificial intelligence and she's a wealth of knowledge, really good researcher. And so we, it's, it's an adjacent project. It's called Barbarian Yak Fest, like the animal, Y-A-K. And we're up on Rockfin. So that's rockfin.com slash barbarian yak fest, all one word. And if you resonate with what you're doing, if you resonate with what I'm doing on the Barbarian Noetics podcast, you're definitely going to resonate with what we do. And it's also a little back and forth banter we get into and stuff like that. If folks are interested in supporting me, I would be incredibly grateful. You know, I'm just trying to, to make it work over here. So I always tell folks like help me afford groceries type thing, you know what I mean? So if you want to hop over to my Patreon, I'm over at patreon.com slash noetics. N-O-E-T-I-C-S. And if you want to make just a, a one-time small donation, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash noetics. So I, I really appreciate that. And since I'm going to swap cast this episode as well, would, would you mind telling folks where they can find you as well? Right on. Yeah. Thank you, brother. And definitely send me any of that stuff that didn't make its way to the Alt Media United page. Cause I like to I like to create each of those pages as like a full fledged link tree, like what link tree offers you with that service. Like we do it better, <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. people can actually listen to your show on the page that we create. So altmediaunited.com is the podcast cooperative that I started with the help of Alex Sikaris, host of the Skeptico podcast. Uh, I encourage everyone to go there, check out all the podcasts that we're uh, partnered with. Barbarian Noetics being one of them. You can find all of my links there, or you can go to myfamilythinksomecrazy.com where you find all the ways to support the show. We got a Patreon too, and Rockfin as well, where I put the video versions of the show when I have a video version, because sometimes some guests don't want to turn their camera on, don't have a camera, or this, that, or the other. Mike and I do a show completely over the phone, which is cool. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it does. depends. It's, I do a good job of editing. So typically people don't really notice a difference between quality. But yeah, doing a, f a podcast over the phone has its own upsides and downsides. Yeah. So my family thinks I'm crazy. Your handbook for the apocalypse, which is on the Susquehanna Alchemy feed the free thinker society podcast i co-host on as of a couple months ago and then i do a fun show that's on the my family thinks i'm crazy feed called illuminati confirmed where myself my friend juan and my friend chris who each have their own podcast join forces to interrogate investigate and interview our guests 
So it's fun. I, Juan investigates, Chris interrogates, and I interview. So awesome. it, we, all three of those dynamics are going on. Like Juan is very like book smart, and he'll like hit the computer and start looking stuff up. Chris just sits there and hangs in the pocket and asks tough questions. And me, I try to make sure the guest doesn't leave midway uh, through the interview. Uh, I try to be the bridge to the craziness that is Chris, Juan, and I together. So that's like a fun show. If you listen to that, don't be like dissuade. Not all of my episodes are like Illuminati confirmed. They're actually very different from my typical interviews. So yeah, Barbarian Noetics listeners, I appreciate you finding me and following if you do, if you choose to. And of course, Little Raven, my new brother, it's been a pleasure talking to you, connecting with you, and upward from here, man. It's onward from here, right? Like, I think this is the the start of a, another segment of really great interviews because I've met so many awesome people uh, in this podcast community and one more yeah, added to the I'm list. Really, I'm really excited to continue collaborating with you, man. I just thank you so much for this opportunity. It was so much fun. And yeah, onward and upward. I see really good things coming for, for both of us and for the collective. And yeah. Cheers. Here, here we go. <laughs> right on. And that is another episode. Please go over to the Barbarian Noetics podcast. They have so much to offer little raven is one hell of a host and i mean that in the most heavenly way it's very unique you don't often hear podcasts where people alone are putting that much production value into their show it's clear that he is spending a lot of time on the podcast so do him some favor and give him some of your time give him a listen i enjoy listening to the barbarian noetics podcast and i'll tell you what there's plenty of things that he's talked about on his show that I haven't seen anyone else talk about. It's great to add him to the list of my podcast friends, and I look forward to having Little Raven back on in the future. Uh, this is a swap cast, of course, so if any of you tuned in from his feed, thank you so much. I appreciate you for joining us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. If you want to support please do go to the Patreon where you can find all of our bonus content. We have bonus video content on Rockfin and Patreon. You can find the video version of every single episode of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast on either Rockfin or Patreon. And of course, the bonus audio. That's right, I do a completely separate podcast that comes out only on Patreon. And Illuminati Confirmed has a Patreon-only podcast that we also do and I know it might be a little confusing, but they're all on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast Patreon. So I hope that doesn't confuse you, but the Illuminati Confirmed show has episodes on not just the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Patreon, but the one-on-one -on -one podcast Patreon. So if you got some extra scratch, help Juan out too. The man just had a second kid and Chris... Juan and I, we have big plans for that show. Uh, comic book is on the way. If you're interested in the comic book, go over to our Kickstarter and you can even spend $15 and get a variant cover with yours truly on the cover. So if you like Mystic Mark, you want to have a piece of me uh, with you wherever you are, uh, pick up a comic book because 
I mean, geez, I, I never thought I'd be a character in a comic book, but here we are now. Uh, you can find a fictionalized version of me in print. So very cool. And that's about it for today's episode, folks. I've been going hard on these extended outros, like 20 minutes long, some of them, but this one's going to be short. Um, and I'll also remind everyone before we go, specifically the new folks from the Patreon or from the Barbarian Noetics podcast, uh, help us out on Patreon, man. I've been telling everybody already. People listen to every show of the My Family Thinks with Crazy Patreon. Catch up. We got 80 awesome folks so far. 80. That's right. 80. Count them. 80 people on the Patreon. And I couldn't be happier. Uh, the number grows by the day. Shout out to the all the awesome patrons that are there supporting us. It's really a pleasure to see that people appreciate the work enough to send kind messages and some even appreciate it enough to throw some money my way and guess what folks that's exactly what i need that's what i'm looking for i cannot afford to do this podcast without you uh seriously if i don't get more people signing up for the patreon i might have to go get a real job man i might have to go get a real job and if i get a real job well hey less podcast episodes i will never stop but i will mitigate as needed but big shout out to zach m dead world radio chandra jess jamie zach mark tracy david david just look shane jones chance blakelock susan josh angie david tyler lacy stone and tone mfc ed lmf b4m James Donna Loco Listens, Jake Loco Rondondo, Sudi, Julia, Chad, Nick, Jabroni, The One-on-One Podcast, Juan Ayala, Jared, Gabriel Guzman, Jeff, Micah, Stephanie, Sta, Amber, The Vermont Hip-Hop Collective, Joe, Mikey J, Sweets, Donut, Ryan Costello, Robbie, Nancy, Heather, Thomas, a.k.a. T.R., Tommy, uh, Justin B. And we're going to the second page. Shout out to Brian K. Jonah Z. Shout out to John P. Shout out to Jim Jam. Shout out to Mr. Troy. Haven't heard from you in a while, brother. Hope you're doing well. Divided Being. Shout out to Chance G at the Universe Podcast. He's been a patron for a while. Shout out to Sean. Shout out to WB, a.k.a. Will Berry. Shout out to Orber. Shout out to our friend Ryan Bledsoe, host of the Bledsoe Said So Podcast, a.k.a. a real-ass dude, a real-ass friend. Ryan Bledsoe, I hope you're out uh, well out there and i'm looking forward to the next time i talk to you lockstep shout out to you moon wolf dane kevin aka tamral shout out to you brother justin r shout out to you shane newsome horns up shout out to you l shout out to you your new podcast speed bumps uh pc haven't heard from you in a while hope you're doing well shout out to you uh, Gabby, hello, shout out to you Gabby, she was at the last patron meetup, Destiny, shout out to you Dylan M, Roving Sage Media, aka Matthew Komegi, shout out to your podcast Oral Hygiene, next up Martin D, Kent Woods shout out to Kent Woods and his music and his guesting and his research, he's been a guest on this show Kent Woods, and he's also a Patreon, 
supporter. Shout out to the Wicked Planet podcast, Ron Lane, supporting us on Patreon. And of course, the OG four first patrons we ever had Alex Stein, Primetime 99, Sylvester Covarubias, Adam Batman Youngquist, and Alex Sikaris of the Skeptico podcast. Shout out to all our supporters, and look at that. I said it was going to be short, and I just basically gave a shout out to every single one of our patrons. So here we are in the now. Thank you so much for being here. Please support the Patreon if you want to hear your name shouted out on a future extended outro. Anyways, that does it for the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Be sure to support Barbarian Noetics. That's right. Little raven flying high in the sky, dropping audio time capsules on your eardrums to initiate the elevation of the spirit. And that is what we did here today. Amen. Peace and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. I'm a little extra terrestrial, trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. I be saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from. In like a hundred years, we went saw a bomb with guns. Check the facts, check the Fed, check the stars. Standing minds was murked for a while to fuel cell car. They each they own, you could stick with your old ways. But eat the rich, you drink the motherfucking cold aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, pure American made. Fuck it. You can keep your blood soaked heritage and run the soul off the moon landed narrative. Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing. My folks think I'm nuts, but never question the parenting. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy. Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm on American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Think that I'm off in the deep end. One too many Netflix docs on the weekends. But check the budget for a military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue. And you be lit off the floor, I ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crap. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got Kim talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up camp. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy. Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm on American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Baby, baby, baby. My family thinks I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Just maybe. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. And if it dies, but it's all kind of hazy. Good morning, baby. And that feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pap thinks I'm on American and shady. Baby, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. Tell me that the president's innate, the end wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Yeah, I think one thing I've learned is you can't rule anything out. So, you know, maybe.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.